Welcome to the 334th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash jmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And uh, last week I did an off my mind episode about Miles Morales and all the new powers that he's getting. It's crazy. It's a, yeah. Uh, and this week, I mean, I'm going to, I think I'm going to do another one. Yeah. I don't want to spoil it just yet, but it'll be another, another comic topic, like a concept, like, how it should be, how it is sometimes. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanformheck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. That's ko-fi.com slash gmanformheck. Okay, what are we going to get this week? This week's movie feature, um, I'm, I might kind of do two, sort of, one and a half almost. So it's the main feature is going to be ISS, which I, I think that's a horrible name. It, it's a weird name. I mean, I guess everyone knows what ISS price stands for. So International Space Station. It's just, you know, I, I've been kind of thinking about it a little bit. I don't know what would have been better, you know, horror at, you know, whatever, 6,000 feet. How far how high is it? It's more than a mile. It's got to be more than, well, I don't know. I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm not an astronaut. But like <laughs> terror at the space station, or survival, or I don't know that. I mean, that would be so cheesy, but I guess it's a fine name. But so you hear about that? Uh, a very intense movie, kind of. Yeah, I won't say anything more till later. Then we're gonna have a couple episodes. Uh, oh, the other movie. So I ended up watching that uh, role play movie with Kaylee Kuko. So I think I might talk a little bit about that. Um, I'm a little hesitant. Because, I'll spoiler, I wasn't super crazy about it. I'll just maybe, it might be just, I don't even know if it'd be like five minutes. Because I don't want to like spoil things, but we'll see. And then uh, we got a couple episodes of Echo. Another episode of Percy Jackson. And then the penultimate episode of Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. And holy crap. That's all I, I can say. I'm, I'm digging that, that show so much. Uh, and uh, with, let's talk about news. There's not a whole lot of news. Uh, speaking of Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. So all the episodes are out now. You, you can watch the first season. The problem is, the concern is, it hasn't been renewed for a second season yet. I, I'm having like such a, a, an appreciation for this franchise now. And it, it's really making me want to go back and watch the 2014 Godzilla movie and Kong Skull Island and even Godzilla versus Kong Kong versus God, what is it called? Uh, it just I I feel like it's just really building things up and because yeah you know, I I love Godzilla you know it's like who doesn't watching the 2014 I think I've only seen that movie once maybe twice and I think I might have seen it a second time at at home saw it in the theater with my daughter and uh, it just it, I mean it was it was okay it was fine. I think part of the the thing was like, okay, you got these Titans and Godzilla going after him, like chasing him across, you know, whatever. It's just, but now it's, it's like things are starting to make sense. And I kind of want to go back and see how 
the show is like really fitting together with what's been uh, so i'm just really really interested in all that the the good news is the showrunner is uh he he's he's optimistic he's he's feeling positive i guess he because i I guess the show is done well so fingers crossed that it is is going to happen um what is still happening is a daredevil born again is it born again or reborn born again i think it is so they've they've resumed filming so they're going back and uh we'll have to see you know do it right take your time don't rush it don't take too long but we'll have to see what what, what's going to come up with that ryan coogler and michael b jordan apparently they're teaming up for some secret genre movie so this is according to hollywood reporter they had the, the exclusive on this I don't know what that means. So Ryan Coogler obviously did like you know, Black Panther and Michael Jordan also did Black Panther and other stuff. But they're saying they're doing a genre movie. So it's it's probably not like a Marvel movie or anything like that. But what does what do they mean by genre movie? I mean that, that could be any and there's anything is like a genre, right? It's not so I, I don't know what that means, but we'll we'll have to have to see. And uh speaking of Kaylee Kuko, the flight attendant is apparently cancelled. So there's two seasons and the, the, the interesting thing, not really interesting, it's not interesting at all, but I, I covered the first season uh, on the podcast. Didn't cover the second season. I started watching it. I, I think it was one of those things where they probably dropped two episodes, maybe three episodes. And I started watching it. I, I never, I only watched the, I think the first episode of the second season. It just, it just, I don't know. It, it, didn't appeal to me it wasn't as as interesting as as the first season and i just i never i never watched it i think i just got behind and then i was like well i'm I'm not it's i it got to that point where i felt like it was too late to to try watching it and catch up and then i just never went back so but apparently the show is canceled but it's also they're saying that kaylee kuko opted against returning to the role which and because you know there's a quote saying that you know she had always seen it as a like a mini series or a limited series or something like that which you know maybe that's the case you know you you don't if if you you know you want to do other things you know she's like she just did that movie role play and i'm sure she's doing other things and you know she just had a kid but but also she was nominated for two emmys for the flight attendant so that's i mean obviously people liked it they thought she did a fine job. And I don't know if she's ever won any Emmys for like Big Bang Theory. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. So it just seems like weird that, you know, it's an Emmy nominated role and you're just going to walk away from it. But okay. So we'll have to, I don't know. Maybe someday I'll watch the second season. Probably not. Who knows? Oh, apparently, Madam Web, the runtime is reportedly at an hour and 52 minutes. It's not official. But the movie's coming out pretty soon. Uh, I think it's, isn't it Valentine's Day? So we'll, we'll find out about, about that if that's going to happen. And um, the last bit of news, so not a lot of news this week, is I totally unexpected. I don't know. I didn't know anything about this. But Channing Tatum posted on Instagram. He's posting about the Max. Apparently, he's he's involved with making a movie for the Max. Now, probably a lot of people. Are familiar with the Max from MTV from the animated series. Uh, obviously, it was a comic book by Sam Keith. Uh, Image Comics was like you know right towards the beginning of the whole 
whole um, whatever formation of Image Comics. And uh, it's, it's such a weird comic or weird story. I mean, it was a weird comic. And I mean, I think that's awesome. But because Channing Tatum was like, he, in his post, you know, he's talking about all the characters, Mr. Gunn, and they're just, he's like so excited about bring, you know, that that's cool. And because, you know, how, we, we have to assume, you know, he isn't a comics at to some level some degree you know he he was super you know he wanted to play be gambit so i don't know i'm excited to see what his involvement is it's like is he playing the max is like how are they going to do the max because it i i don't know what i would want from a max live action it just it, it it's it's just so like just the, the visuals, like the, the character designs, that I don't know how they're going to do that. The feet. So I don't know. We'll have to see. And we'll also have to see what's coming up. <laughs> Not, because that's going to be news for the week. All right. Uh, let's talk about comic books. So I, I just want to preface this as, as I was reading, you know, trying to keep up, trying to read all the comics, end up like reading trying to read through a bunch Friday night. And I was like, it ended up getting to be like midnight. And I don't know if I was just so tired, but like a lot of the comics just weren't like appealing to me. I'm just like reading this. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm just like not getting it. I'm not into this. Or does this story is like, it's just dragging on or this issue or. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, and and I just, I don't know. I, I'm I'm really curious. I mean, since I'm, since I, I don't really hang out on Twitter often and I, I just, I don't know what the overall consensus is. You know, are comics like in a lull? I don't think that's the case. You know, is are certain books just, you know, or am I just getting old grumpy old man and just losing interest? And I don't know. Cause I feel like I just, I'm in, in with some characters, some books, I'm just not as excited as I used to be. And it, that's, it bums me out. But I, so I feel like some of these stories, I'm just like, yeah, this is okay. This is fine. But I don't know. Okay. But at Image Comics, uh, we had Cobra Commander number one. Mm. So this, this was, this is like part of the Energon universe, whatever they're calling it. You know, this at Skybound, um, I'm pretty sure Joshua Williamson wrote, wrote this issue and it was weird. Cause you know, so we had seen the preview like the first few pages in uh, one of the GI Joe, one of the other comics, transformer comic or something like that with, with, with the same with like uh, the Duke comic a couple of weeks ago, you know, it, it's kind of starting things over or, or, or just building things up. You know, we had transformers coming to earth and we're seeing how our, this whole world, coincides or coexists with with cobra yeah I, i'm trying to i'm you know my my knowledge of cobra is obviously from the larry hama comics and you know we, we got little bits I don't, i'm trying to think like what is his full story i know there was a kid billy and it, then there's a the movie which is just weird I, I don't think it's a spoiler but um there is mention of cobra law and there's some stuff because as, as we're reading this issue, or as I'm reading this issue, I'm like, wait, where are they at? Who are what are these people? Who, what's going on? And then we got Cobra Law, so <laughs> we'll see where this is gonna go. I mean, man, there's just some wacky things in in, in GI Joe. And speaking of GI Joe, um, GI Joe 
Real American Hero 303 also came out. And we just have some weird things here because Cobra Island got, there's like a, a bomb went out. So basically there's a bunch of zombies on there. Like Dr. Mindbenders and Serpenter are like zombies with, but with coherent thoughts. And then you have, I think they're called the Revenge. It's like a bunch of like AI robot beings that are taken over. And then, then you have the Joes and all that. So it's like, you know, they, they kind of get their hands full. But the thing that I feel like I missed something, and this is where last issue, the last page, I, I was like, wait, I, I kind of hinted at something. So I guess I'll mention it now. But we have Snake, Snake Eyes and Scarlet are like in his cabin. He's, you know, taking some time off or whatever. And Snake Eyes is talking. So like the last issue, you know, he accepts I was like, wait, is that Snake Eyes? Because, you know, we don't see his face. And we shouldn't ever see his face. But it's like, how can he talk? So did he get some sort of reconstructive surgery on his voice box or something? So, and, but the thing is, I've been reading, because, you know, in, in, in the, the last few issues uh, or at IDW, when the, the license was there, uh, you know, Snake Eyes was dead or thought dead. And then they brought him back, obviously. But it's like, I, I, I totally missed how and why he can talk. So I don't, I don't, that's just, it's, it's weird. Wheels had a deviant, man. This, this comic says James Tyne in the fourth. It's just, it's creepy. You know, so it's, it's taking place like in the present and, in, uh, I forget if it's like the seventies where there is this killer dresses like Santa and, um, you know, it's a deviant, you know, it's, it, it's very interesting because there's, you know, there's a lot of kind of negative thoughts against you know if, if someone's gay or a deviant it's like oh and you, you just like just a little comments that you take just a whole attitude it was where you know they're like they're talking referring to this one guy they're like oh the funny little guy and and you know saw their officers like funny how and he's like funny funny because which is just it's it's absurd just the whole mentality about that and uh obviously because of the killing and the nature of the killings people are, are, are thinking that like, oh, if the person's gay or a deviant, they must be the killer. And and there's just some like horrific stuff happening. So it's like, wait, who is a killer? Because there was this one guy who was arrested and he had this, this writer who's interviewing him. So it's just, it's, I, it, I'm, I'm finding it interesting. And it, it's cool, you know, I, I've said this before, to get a comic that isn't just about superheroes, you know, so we do get these other type of stories. And it's, it's always weird that the James Tynan comics, I'm always super hesitant about like, I wouldn't necessarily call this a horror comic, but it kind of suspense, whatever. A lot of times horror comics just don't work, but for some reason, I don't know if James Tynan just picks like the best or the, the, the perfect artists and colorists, but his, his horror books, tend to work for me. I don't know. Um, then we had, oh, the Enfield Gang Massacre. I, I feel like I read this like every other month or every other time because I, I didn't get around to reading this one, but I'm, I'm really enjoying this. And I'm not sure what's going to happen because, you know, you had this this guy, this cowboy, you know, varmint, whatever, dude, this thief. He's basically gets framed for, a, you know, killing at a bank. And like they kind of form a posse to go after him and things just just are just getting out of hand 
Um, so I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just really enjoying it. Uh, we also had, what else do we have? Phantom Road. I didn't read that. I, I started reading that. I didn't, didn't get to finish it, but this is, I just, I don't know what, what, you know, I, so I talk about this book pretty much each, each month and I just, I don't know what's going on and I'm, I'm so fascinated with it. So I didn't read this one. Um, I gotta finish it. And then, uh, what's the furthest place from here? Number 17. This is a really cool comic and, and I can't quite place my finger uh, on why, but there's just something about it. That's just, uh, just, just, just really cool. And, you know, it's a, post-apocalyptic and you know that that there's this we're we're, we're seeing just like so much of of, the, of this world you know we're at issue 17 and, and we're finding out more and more and it's weird because you know it starts off with these kids like living in a record store and you know there's no adults but something happens when you know you, you turn in 18 you disappear so it's like you die so it's almost kind of like a logan's run type of thing but that wasn't quite the case and then you know we, we get got throughout the the issues got like a flashback when things started and there's these strangers you know these people who they drop off supplies and they take the, the adults away and so and yeah it's just it's it's just so fascinating to see and there's just so many like colorful characters and i just if, if you haven't been reading this you, you really should read it and i don't know if that was just a horrible description but it's just a lot of survival and just a lot of different groups of people different gangs so it's just i i I just think it's it's really cool at marvel comics um we had amazing spider-man 42 so it's it's a gang war book i'm gonna try to remember what these issues are about here it this is mainly tombstone versus kingpin so here yeah this is one of the things uh, uh, I read most of the, the gang war comics earlier in the week, but I'm I'm not I'm not super crazy about them. Yeah, you know, on, on some levels, it's it's an interesting crossover if you want to, or interesting event, I guess if you want to call it that. And it's it's just weird because it's all about mob bosses, not even mob bosses, but like villains, you know, trying to get territory. You know, because you got kingpin, you got you know tombstone you have hobgoblin you have a uh, uh, diamondback the not the not the former ex-girlfriend of captain america but the other dude so you have madam mask and you know they're all fighting over territory and it's it's really getting out of hand you know there's like mobs of, of people and and even in, in i think it was this issue so we have janice tombstone's daughter beetle you know she's because uh tombstone was injured she's kind of wanting to claim his territory in, in his name and she wants more and so now she's kind of it's like a, her up up against madam mask and there's a scene where it's like they're all going to start fighting and there's just like just like a line of people and they're just going to fight and it's just i don't know it seems a little silly but so i don't know it's it's just it's it's been all right but then we have Avengers Twilight, book one. So this is Chip Zdarsky, Daniel Acuna. When I first heard about this, I was like, do we really need this comic? And, you know, maybe, maybe that's that's a silly thought or a rude thought or whatever. But it's a an Avengers story, like, in the near future. 
So we're going to see like a lot of like older heroes, like, you know, Pastor Prime. And the reason I say, do we need this? Because I feel like we, we've seen these type of stories. You know, we had Old Man Logan, which, you know, did it really well. And we've had other, you know, there was like Spider-Man Rain, um, you know, Dark Knight Returns. So we, we, I feel like we've, we've seen a lot of these characters or these stories where the characters are old and you know a lot of them are dead or whatever so we, as you can see in the cover captain america's there and it, it's kind of he's like the main character and you know we're kind of getting caught up with what's been going on uh captain america no longer has a super soldier serum in his his body so he's just like an older dude the heroes are kind of gone uh, there's some something happened H day they're, they're calling some some big event happened and there's like big curfews there's like I forgot what they're called the uh, uh, iron patrol or something like that and we have Tony Stark's kid is seems kind of like a maybe he's a shady guy he's a yeah I don't want to give too much away but it's um the things are are kind of with the, with the the curfew and and it's almost getting to be like a police state like like a fascist state and uh what's captain american going to do and you know he he like at one point he meets with like luke cage and matt murdock you know they're all old and so i i'm i'm definitely intri intrigued with that okay then we had cable number 1 so what's interesting about this is it's by fabian nichesia so he he's back writing, and uh, I think Scott Eaton. Yeah, Scott Eaton does does the art. The the bummer about this is when I, when I saw this, I was like, oh, Fabian's writing Cable again. Awesome, it's cool. But I kind of missed on the cover. This is a fall of X book, and because that's the other thing, I'm like, I'm I'm so over that. I'm so done. I'm so ready to move on from that. I'm so tired of Orcus and just their anti mutant, and so. We have Cable, you know, making a move against them, and and for some strange reason he has to rescue young Cable. So young Nate is back, even though he he left, but now he's back again. Uh, so it's it's kind of interesting having young and old Cable. I, I kind of I'm I'm in, interested to see because they they have kind of they don't really get along they don't like each other even though they're themselves so i think that could be like a fun dynamic <laughs> it could be interesting but i don't know I, I i'm just i'm bummed that this is supposed to be like a first issue it should be like you know first start standalone but no it's just tied to the other stuff so i just feel like that kind of limits things but but we'll see so i'm i'm, I'm yeah we'll see where it goes um cap wolf and the howling commandos this is the last issue, and it, it was all right. Yeah, I, I, I was excited about the series when it first came out, you know, in a, in a silly kind of nostalgia way, and it just, I just kind of fell off it, and, and being perfectly honest, I didn't, you know, read every single bit of it, because I just was losing interest, so, I mean, you know, maybe it was better than I'm, you know, giving it credit for, I don't know. Daredevil number five the weird thing about this so we have a john romita jr cover i kind of like the cover because it's the with the, the red and the green you know from she hulk and daredevil it's very vibrant the colors are, you know with kind of like yellowish orange background there's a little empty space in the, the upper right corner because you know logos on the bottom 
So it's it's a really cool cover, not representative of the interior. So it's it's kind of a weird thing because I saw this cover, I was like, wait, is this what what series is this? So it's it's a weird choice, and uh, the other weird thing is, so Daredevil Matt Murdock died and was reborn, and somehow he was reborn as this minister, and he had no recollection of who he was that he was Daredevil, and then it came back to him. So he's just out, and then all of a sudden he runs into She-Hulk, and she's like, Matt, you're back, you know, whatever. And so it's weird, and then she basically, she's like, oh, I had reservations at this restaurant, and, you know, someone, whatever, they canceled, so I need you to come with me, and 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 they're just eating so much, so it's, it's weird. It did not feel like She-Hulk, the way it was written. I was like, who is this character? Because she's just like chowing down. And then something kind of comes up. So maybe, I don't know if that's, it's supposed to explain why she was so immensely hungry. But it was just, it just felt really weird. Then we had Fantastic Four, number 16. I, well, I wasn't crazy about this issue. So the kids are back. You know, Franklin, Valeria, and then the, uh, this the scroll and the Cree kids that Ben and Alicia have like adopted, and the kids are going to school. At first, when I look at this, I'm like, Valeria is like super genius. Why would she be going to regular school? And Franklin, he's kind of smart, maybe not. I mean, he's not Valeria smart. And then the kids, it's like they're going to go to regular school, even though they're aliens. And then the other thing sounds like it's weird the way they're when they they first you know the teachers are introducing him and the kids are like ooh whatever I was like but don't they know who they are and then I realized they're still at Aunt Petunia's farm because the way everyone is still mad at the Fantastic Four because Reed sent the Baxter Building into the future for a year blah blah blah. So they're staying, and I, I guess the, the bank has frozen their funds or something like that. So they're staying at the farm. And so I, I guess they decide the kids are going to go to local school. Yeah, so I don't know. It, yeah, it just, and then, the, the you know, for the science class, they, uh, Valeria and Franklin decide they're going to invent something. You know, they're not going to do the project that they're supposed to do. They want to do something else. They're like really impressed their science teacher who I was a little a little knowing the way that was presented, you know, maybe you know from a teacher's perspective, the way the teacher was written, but whatever. And then so Valeria and Franklin decide to like invent something, and what they do as like for for Valeria being a genius, she really didn't think this through. So it was a little yeah, it just I don't yeah it just I didn't like that issue. Sorry. Guardians of the Galaxy issue ten. <laughs> I didn't read that. Um, Invincible Iron Man fourteen. This is this is a strange comic, and this is another one where you know I I've been enjoying this comic because you know it's Jerry D Duggan writing it, but this one I'm just like man, just I want to be done with this. I'm so tired of all this Orca stuff, and then so not only do we have Iron Man and, and Emma Frost, which they kind of um, there's a, a pretty big development with with them and their their like working relationship whatever you want to call it their their marriage and at first i'm like wait where where is did i miss something where is this coming from and then 
I guess, yeah, it's just, I don't know. Um, but then we also had, you see there's Riri and Forge and, and, you know, what they're doing to try to prepare for the battle against Orcus. And we also have Riri with the Mandarin rings. And she kind of makes a, a choice in this issue. And it's just like, wait, why are you doing this now when you had such this attitude? I, I don't know what's going on. And then we have a gang war jackpot number one. So this is a Mary Jane comic. And she has these powers now. It's it's weird. I don't know. Because, you know, this is something, you know, I, I think I talked about this. I did an off my mind about this where, you know, Mary Jane should have powers. And the fact that now she has powers, she and Peter aren't together. She's with this Paul dude. She's still with this Paul dude. Yeah. So it was a it was an okay issue. Yeah, I'll just say, you know, it's part of the gang war stuff. So she fights Lady Electro. Peter's, you know, Spider-Man's least favorite Electro, he says. Um, there's another Spider-Man 2099. Uh, I did not read this. Spider-Man, apparently this is the 100th issue. Legacy issue, maybe. It seems like it should be higher than 100, but I guess not. Um, but he's fighting a werewolf. Um, I'm curious, who's he going to fight next? Terror Inc. Okay, so that that's going against my theory of he's going up against like the sort of Universal Studios monsters, but I guess not really. Then there is White Widow issue three, and this was was a comic I was reading like super late, and as I'm reading it, I'm you know the the second issue it was kind of losing me a little bit. So as I'm I'm reading this, I just I I wasn't really getting into it at first i was like wait what did happen last issue because yelena is going after she hulk i was like that's kind of weird and then it just felt like as i was reading this i don't know i don't know if i like literally fell asleep because it was so late and then i wake up and i'm still reading i was like this is like the longest comic and i don't know how i feel about it and there's also x-men 30 this is another one I, I read late and we have a high evolutionary and he's another character I don't, I don't like. Um, but if, if you're a fan of sync and the older Laura, you're definitely going to read this. I feel like I need to reread this cause something pretty big happens. And I'm like, wait, did this just happen now? Or is this something that happened a while ago? I think it's something that just happened. So that's why I say I, I, I may have missed something, but um, there's pretty big development here, and there's like one scene. I'm like, wait, what does this mean? Did I am I re reading this wrong? So I, I got to go back and read that. At DC, um, we had Wonder Woman number five, and this is a comic that I I like it and I don't like it. It's just it's yeah, it's you know it's this war against the Amazon, and the weird thing is it's just the way Sergeant Steel is being written that he's so hell-bent on going after Wonder Woman by like any means necessary. And what he decides to do is he's going to form a team to go after her because the army can't handle it. They got their butts kicked. So he's starting to gather up some like deadly murderous villains. Like that's your solution. And 
I mean, that's like a huge line to cross. And, you know, maybe Amanda Waller is okay with that, but it's, it's just it's, it's just so absurd. And Wonder Woman's also, you know, she has some, like, competitions, whatever, with uh, Yara, uh, Cassie, and Donna. Because she's basically wants to say, you know, this is my fight. I don't want you to get involved with this. So she's like, we'll do a competition of your choice. And if I win, then you stay out of this. So it's interesting choices of what what they do. Uh, Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. So next issue's out. I, I'm enjoying this series. Uh, you know, it's 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 a fun, silly idea, but maybe because of watching uh, Monarch, you know, it's it's kind of making me appreciate this. And even though you know some things are a little different, but it's a uh, it, it's it's interesting to see the Justice League and how they handle things and you know what what's been happening. Uh, World's finest came out let's see what i forget which issue this was so this is more with like the kingdom come world and that kid thunder whatever his na- name is uh and we have gog here i've never really cared for gog but you know we're not supposed to nightwing issue 10 <laughs> I, I love that cover <laughs> and this whole beast world stuff you know I'm, I'm not into it and so it's like you know with these starros that are transforming people to beasts and i don't even know how the beasts are chosen but damien i think it was last issue where damien got transformed (laughs) and he's called the mr mittens he's like a cat he has a he has a bell around his neck and yeah so and then damien and jonathan kent have to you know or not dick and and jonathan you know they, they need to try to find him even though you know, there's like the whole city's under siege. So there, there's some some okay moments in here. Um, Titans number seven came out. I didn't read that. I should have read that, but I, I didn't. Superman uh, number ten. Superman ended up going into the past with that Phantom Rider. I forget what her name is. And uh, it, was, it was okay issues. It's was, it was kind of interesting. It's like how is Superman going to get to the present? But I, I think I can appreciate this because the whole, what the action comics that we had, I think it was last week, where like everyone's turning into bizarros. I don't know how you feel about that. Then there's uh, another issue, Superman Lost number 10. I didn't realize there's going to be so many issues. I thought it was going to be like a four-issue series, so I, or like five or six, so I stopped reading. So now I feel like I need to go back. Uh, then we had Jay Garrick, The Flash, issue four. Um... We, we kind of get a retelling of his origin and things are kind of tweaked a bit. And it, it kind of makes sense. It's, it's, it's fine. But uh, <laughs> the origins come courtesy of... So that the dude... This dude was like... Him doing some stuff. He like wrote... The, 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 the origin comes through a, a journal. He like detailed no, everything that happened. And it's, it's kind of silly in a way, but whatever. It's fine. And um, I think we kind of get the secret origin of star labs also i was like is that right i don't know uh there's another uh green lantern war journal i didn't get around to reading that and then uh same thing with catwoman 61 so i i'm i i do not think i've read the last couple catwomans so i'm not really sure 
what, what's going on. But what I do know is going on is that is going to be comics per week. All right, with Monarch Season 1, Episode 9, Axis Mundi. Mundi? 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 So uh, one more episode after this. And at, when I got to the end of this, I was just like, my, my jaw kind of dropped. And I mean, it, it's not that spectacular or anything like that. But when I saw it, I was like, oh. And it was actually something that I kind of wondered and thought about. But I was just like, holy crap. And I was just like, whoa! I was, I was, I got, I got excited. Oh, so basically, what one thing I, I realized: the last episode when Shaw was holding onto Kate's arm, they both fell in. So I thought just Kate fell in, but Shaw fell. Yeah, it was, it was a little dark. I mean, it's kind of hard to see when things are, you know, all exploding, whatever. Uh, this episode starts off. We see Shaw and Billy. They're sitting with this so it's in the pastors, little Hiroshi. They're like in a trailer. Billy says that, that you know they have to go to work. Um, so Hiroshi will be staying with his Mimi. Uncle Lee will see him when he gets back from his trip. And then Hiroshi's like, Where's he going? And he he's like, Well, I'll let you know your Uncle Lee fill you in. And then Billy like walks out, he leaves the trailer. So Shaw sits next to him. He's like, You know, it's top secret army explorer stuff, right? And he's like, Is it dangerous? And he's like, well, we're doing it for the good of the world, you know, trying to keep everybody safe. I guess what we do is always a little dangerous. You know, what I can say is there's a lot of really smart, very careful people working as hard as they can to make it as safe as it can be. And then he's, the, Hiroshi's like, are you exploring far away? He's like, that's hard to explain, Hiro, but I'll be back really soon. In fact, my lucky pocket knife. I know we said we were going to look into getting you one when you were older, so I'm not actually giving it to you, okay? I just want you to keep it safe for me, okay? It's just until I'm back. But it's like, shouldn't he keep it if it's lucky? Uh, this sort of screen tells us that they're at the Monarch test site during Kansas, 1962. 1962. Okay, then after Hiroshi leaves with his Mimi, Shaw tells Billy that, you know, he's a tough little kid. He takes after his mom. And Shaw's like, yeah, you did good. She'd be proud. It's a shame she can't be here to, to see it. And then Billy's like, she, she, you know, she missed all this. You know, running around, doing nine jobs at once. And Shaw's like, yeah, and doing them better than any nine of us could do one. So they walk up to this, uh, there's like a big hole. There's a metal sphere uh, thing. It looks like the, what, the, what they use to call the Titans, you know, what the Dr. Suzuki had. And then Billy's like, you don't have to do this. There's plenty of qualified candidates we can. And Shaw's like, no, no, no. He's like, I'm not going to ask anybody to do something that I wouldn't do myself. And Billy's like, well, it could be me. And Shaw's like, did you ever manage to get that Jeep out of third? So he's like, ha ha. He's like, go to hell. And he's like, don't mind if I do. So we get this overhead shot. There's like a, another larger sphere above it. So I guess it's where, at first I was like, so I guess, you know, someone can enter, can go in there. So probably Shaw. And we see like way down deep in the hole, there's like some blue shimmery color. So it's like, it's probably the portal, right? So then Puckett is talking to some men. He says, the president's right. Space is hard. The moon's a decade away too, if they do it right. Operation Hourglass is a culmination of nearly two decades of Project Monarch's work, human discovery and reconnaissance of the territory between us and them. So Shaw comes out in a jumpsuit. He's carrying a helmet. He's followed by two dudes and a lady. So there's uh, four of them. Puckett continues. He says, the place that will redefine our understanding of the entire planet and ensure the health and welfare of all humanity. So they take a picture of them. He's like, what you're about to see is more than just a victory for American scientific know-how or our defense. 
this mission is a matter of global security and a preservation of mankind. So they walk up to the top sphere. You know, there's like a little like structure thing, you know, stairs that go up there. Billy salutes Shaw. You know, he gives him like a like a real salute. Shaw just kind of smirks. He just kind of like finger salutes him back. You know, like not not really official salute. And then Puckett's like, well, Kennedy can have outer space and all the big rocks floating in it. We're about to plant our flag in under space. Our operating theory is that the Titans get around underground in a kind of king-size rabbit warren. And Dr. Suzuki found a way in, right here in the heartland. The thing is, the tunnel's too unstable for us to enter. And the only thing which can make it passable is a Titan. So it's interesting. So it's like they can't go through the portal like whenever they want. It takes, for some reason, a Titan has to go through the portal in order to make it passable. I mean, it kind of makes sense. There's something in them that makes it like a garage door opener built. I don't know, something like that. So, so Dr. Suzuki's actually there. Uh, he calls out that they have uh, a Titan lock. And Puckett says it's just like on Bikini. You know, the, they're going to lure it with the temptation of a meal. So in the tent, Billy says Titan's coming for their bait. He's like, but Jesus, it's a big one. So Puckett says that the tunnel stabilizes as they move through. So rather than unleash hell in Kansas, they'll cut bait and they'll they'll sneak in behind them. So they'll be drafting, you know, down in, in the wake. So the sphere drops is going to drop in the hole. So Billy's looking at, at the gamma readings. He's like, there to go. He keeps looking. He's like, come on, come on, come on. And then some like antennas or something start like sparking the rig thing that held a sphere starts kind of like shaking and then bends a little bit and then uh it kind of starts coming apart it's it starts getting windy billy runs out there's like a spark or explosion of light from the hole billy gets like knocked down then the the tent canvas that like suzuki and all their, their controls or whatever gets pulled up people start running someone orders them to evacuate the staging ground it just seems like everything metal is getting like pulled in and there's it's just like kind of like spinning above it almost like like a tornado like swirling whatever uh trailers start to move too shaw's like he's like mayday mate so they're in, inside the sphere they're, they're calling mayday mayday there's another blast then metal around sorry around the hole like just whoosh, it just falls and everything's calm so puckett walks up to billy he's like what happened he's like i don't know so then billy comes home hiroshi's sitting there and then hiroshi just like turns away like he knows something bad happened and then uh, in uh, 2015, Kentaro wakes up in a hospital. He, it looks like he has like a broken arm and leg during like a cast. Tim's there on crutches and so is Verdugo. She's standing there. So she, uh, she tells Kentaro that he's in Kentucky, that they had to airlift him out of Kazakhstan. He's like, what happened? And she's like, everything at that reactor plant, it went terribly wrong. He's like, what does that mean? He's like, Shaw? And Tim's like, he imploded the rifts and the whole thing collapsed down on itself. So there's a flashback. We see Tim get dragged away, and he's like, and then he's he continues telling Kentaro. Uh, then the locals showed up. He's like, I'm lucky I didn't end up in a in a Kazakh prison. Verdugo's like, a lot of good people didn't make it out. Uh, and Tim's like, Shaw, May, and then Kentaro's whispers. He's like, Kate, and Tim's like, I'm sorry. And then Kentaro, you know, he said, so and he's like, Okay, so when do we start looking for them? And Verdugo's like, Kentaro. They didn't make it. And he's like, we finished Shaw's work. And she's like, Lee Shaw died doing what he loved, pouring gasoline on fires. He doesn't understand. He augmented a moment, a global crisis for this organization that we have barely begun dealing with. And he got your sister and friend killed doing it. 
I'm sorry, Kentaro. Thank you for your help, but your time in our world has come to an end. And he's like, wait, no, we can't. They're my family. There has to be something I can do, something we can do. And then she's like, there is. Are you ready for this? Live. I was like, uh, and she walks past. There's like this curtain. She like opens it, walks out. Kentaro's mom's there. And she comes to the side and you know, she's in tears and everything. And Tim walks out too. So then you see like this blurry shot. There's someone on the ground. So it's Shaw and he's like some sort of forest. There's like some sort of like blue and orange, orange like wisps of light or smoke like going up. And he calls out to Kate. He like looks for her. Nearby, May gets up. Her head's like dizzy. She can barely hear Shaw. And then there's like electricity or something crackling on the ground. And then she gets tackled by Shaw. And there's like an explosion of energy erupting like where she was at. He yells, he's like, we have to go. He's like, we can't stay here. He's like, you have to take my hand. You have to go where I go. There's like more explosions. They run and you can kind of, you can kind of see like a pattern happening. So then they, they get a chance to catch your breath. Shaw says, he's like, okay, we're all right. He's like, we made it across the field. He's, he's like, after a rift closes, it leaves some kind of electrical charge or something. It affects your vision and the ground. It, it goes like a, like a, like just like a lethal static shock or something like that. And she's like, how do you know that? And he's like, because I've been down here, May, on a recon mission. Same thing happened to my eyes. And she's like, recon mission? And she's like, where are we? He's like, we're in it, May. We're in their world, the Titans. This is just another part of their realm. And she's like, how did I get here? He's like, I cleared the space and I hit the timer. You know, she must have turned around and come back inside. And she's like, oh my God, she followed me back. No, no, no. And Shaw's like, I caught her. Hey, we fell together, May. She's down here somewhere. I know that. And May's like, is she alive? Did you see her? You know, is she? He's like, we're going to find her, May. But we got to do everything. You got to do everything exactly as, as I say. I can keep you safe. Do you understand? She's like, yeah, I just, I just want to find Kate. He's like, we will. Come on. They walk. And they're like, Kate, Kate. Start calling her name. And then it's in the past. Billy's sitting at a desk in the basement. He's like having a hard time concentrating. Then the secretary tells him General Puckett is there to see him. So um, he goes into the, the big control room, whatever. Puckett's reading like a memo. As a result of the catastrophic loss of life in the undertaking of Operation Hourglass and inability of Project Monarch to ascertain the cause of the catastrophe, the Department of Defense has ordered no further funds be allocated to Project Monarch going forward. And he's like, there's more, but you get the point. It's over, Bill. I'm sorry. And Billy's like, how are we supposed to ascertain the cause of the catastrophe if they're shutting us down? And Puckett's like, our DOD is big on theories when proving them costs lives. And he's like, Bill's like, they really think NASA's getting to space without losing some people? And Puckett's like, space they understand. A network of portals connecting to a hidden realm of monsters? It sounds... And Bill is like, insane. In a word. And without an imminent threat like our friend on Bikini Atoll. And Bill's like, well, we could just bring one up, right? Show him what a real catastrophe looks like. And Puck is like, and what then? Hope it's smaller than Godzilla and listens to reason? Bill's like, I could have stopped it. And Puck is like, I could have stopped it. So he says a quote about like older men declaring war and youth dying. He says it's harder when you know the youth in question. And he's like, he was my friend too. And Bill's like, I can't let it go, Puck. I won't. And Puck is like, your boys are already lost a mother. Now an uncle. Do not take his father away too. And he walks out. 
so in the the underworld under whatever may's kind of like freaking out and she's like we're never gonna find her and shaw's like time isn't on our side the longer we're down here the longer we're down here and she's like what do you mean he's like well i'm not a science guy so it's a little difficult to explain she's like well i got time he's like actually you don't she's like what are you talking about he's like i told you i've been here before and i made it back so we see him lying in a hospital bed hand kind of twitches starts to wake up and he's actually like in this like weird lit up dome tent like in a in a big lab in this big room but there's like a enclosed tent some guys in a hazmat suit they like zip open the tent they enter they scan him for like his radiation levels or something like that they ask if he knows what his name is and he whispers you know his full name leland leland lafayette shaw the third so they're like what is your rank and serial numbers do you know where you are what happened what is project monarch how did you get here what is Operation Hourglass? Do you know where you are? What monster were you hunting? And he's like, get me Bill Randa. So then this regular nurse, again, this another uh, uh, language, I was like, it's like, I guess uh, maybe Japanese, I don't know. She's like, Shaw's, she's talking to another nurse, like a nurse say, she's like, Shaw's been here a week and he's still refusing to eat. The other one's like, you know, it'll be a problem soon. So the first nurse grabs like a cookie from this like plate next to her and she like wraps it in a napkin so she goes to him she's like tells him that he's wasting away he must eat and he's like i'd like to have bill randa bring me a sandwich she puts a cookie like in a napkin or she takes out of her her pocket sets next to him and she's like shh he's like well it wouldn't be much of a hunger strike if i made any exceptions would it so then and whatever in her language she says that or he says that she's very kind she bends down to look at this like monitor it's not quite working because she's like kind of hitting a little bit then he says he's sorry and she's like she turns she's like what for so he got up out of bed and he wrapped something around her neck i don't know if it's a stethoscope or something like that so he's got around her and then he goes out in the hall like pulling her out there you know he's still got the thing wrapped around her neck he's yelling he's like bill randa get me randa bill randa get me and he walks by this other hospital room and he, he sees there's a tv on he sees a space shuttle taken off on a tv so he's like wait whoa 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 that was 1962 when this happened and seeing a space shuttle you kind of know where it's going now. So he keeps yelling. He asks, does anyone understand English? This dude like walks towards him, speaks English. He's like, get me Bill Randa. And guy down the hall, he's like, I can't. He's dead. We are a monarch medical facility. You disappeared during Operation Hourglass in 1962, 20 years ago, Uncle Lee. And I was like, what? This is the shocking part. <laughs> but I was just like, oh. <laughs> It almost got me a little emotional. And he holds up the the lucky pocket knife. Shaw like walks up closer, like staring at his eyes, and then he, he kinda like pushes the pocket knife down. And then uh so he's like, Welcome home. He's like, No, no. And he starts to buckle and he like kinda slides down on the floor. So the screen tells us nineteen eighty two. So he I we don't know how long he was in this other world, but it obviously wasn't very long. He comes back, twenty years went by. So that is the answer to the big question. And this, I kind of wondered this. I, I, I thought maybe going into the other world, there's like some, so, I, I figured there was something that made him younger, like some fountain of youth or something like that. But no, it's time passes differently. So that's why he's 90, but he looks like Kurt Russell. So later, Hiroshi brings like flowers to the nurse. He wants to apologize for today. She like, says it works, it looks worse than it is. He's like, 
you know, he says in some ways Shaw's is his responsibility because he and he has no excuse for allowing such a thing to happen to her. She says that, you know, Shaw was terrified. He's alone. He's a lot of pain. He's, and she's like, you know, lonely, scared people and pain can do terrible things. So she thanks him for the flowers and asks if he's going to talk to him. And so Hiroshi says that it's you know his responsibility. So he thinks he has to. She's like, but you don't want to talk to him. Why? He's like, when I was a boy. He and my father and my mother promised me they'd come back. I waited and waited, but they didn't return. I mourned them and moved on. And she's like, Dr. Randa, it would seem like Shaw has kept his promise. So then we see Kentaro and his mom, they return to their apartment in Tokyo. He's on crutches. You know, she tells him to take it easy. He's like, I'm fine. And she's like fussing over him and it's like that. And she says that, you know, uh, when he can move better, he can call the office. He's like, I don't want my old job back. And she's like, well, if it wasn't the right job, you know, we can find another one. He's like, I don't want to talk about work. And she asks, she's like, well, what do you want to do? He says that, you know, he should be with Kate. And she's like, why would you say such a horrible thing? He's like, I wanted to stop them. I should have saved them. I should have been with them, done whatever I could to save them. How can they expect me to go back to the way things were? And she's like, no one expects that. After that much loss, such grief and pain and despair, Going back would not be possible. I'm sorry. He's like, it's not your fault, Mom. And she's like, I meant I'm sorry that you have to feel this at all, but you must let yourself feel it. He's like, I just don't know what to do. She's like, yes, you do. He's like, but that woman said, and she's like, when have you ever done what you've been told? And he's like, yeah, you're right. So that monarch, uh, you hear some like, weird hip-hop music playing in the big control room, but it's that, it's that Lady Barnes that was... Uh, in Utah, whatever, in the trailer, seeing the gamma ray radiation. She's listening on her headphones. She's looking at a screen, and then she takes off her headphone. She raises both arms. It's a signal! Tim and Verduga are there. Uh, so she's like, the gamma burst, the first. So okay, every time Shaw's imploded another rift point, we get more gamma rays all over the world, right? Big, noisy, chaotic, and they're, they're getting stronger. Verduga says that all 12 of them seem like they're ready to erupt. And she's like, yes, but not the first one. The signal remains constant. So I, I crushed it down so that I could see all of it. And, and look, when you zoom out, it's a pattern. Verdugo asks, like, where is it coming from? And Tim's like, it's a message. Someone is sending us a message. Hmm. Back in 1982, Shaw uh, wakes in his hospital bed. Hiroshi's standing there. And Shaw asks if the nurse is okay. And, he's, and Hiroshi's like, she will be. And Shaw's like, good. They sent you in here to talk to me? Think I'll open up to you? He's like, yes. You don't have to, of course. So Shaw's like, why is Monarch treating me like a prisoner? No one is entirely sure you are safe. Shaw's like, safe? He's like, not contagious or radioactive. Or a Russian plant? But you don't believe that. And Hiroshi's like, of course not. You are my Uncle Lee. They just want to know what happened to you and how. Your survival, your age defies logic. And he's like, and beyond logic, Hiroshi continues. He's like, lies truth. And he smiles. So that's what they're saying. So Shaw's like, some things never change, huh? Not even at Monarch. Shaw's like, if I tell you the truth, you're just going to think I'm crazy. And Hiroshi's like, if you keep it to yourself, it was all for nothing. So then there's like some flashes of him and like the others in the sphere, shaking strange lights. Uh, it like hurts his head, like think about it. He's like, we experience an uncontrolled flight into terrain. So then we see they exit. He's like, Ben was down on arrival. So he began planned Eva. 
while attempting to contact Mission Control, we began our recon of the landing site. And then, and his heart like, starts like racing, you know, his monitor's like going up, something happened. So it looks like, like kind of like everything's frozen, like just like in the air. And he's like, we encountered a massive unknown terrestrial organism. I called for immediate evacuation. There's like shimmering electrical lights, like carrying this like lady up. He's like, local phenomena made our egress difficult. And he's like, he's like sheds a tear, just thinking back. So things are getting sucked into a portal. Shaw's like holding onto a bush. Things are flying up, but then he gets sucked up. And then the next thing I remember. So then he's in the woods. He's stumbling. He's dazed. He sees like a passenger plane, like, you know, just fly overhead with like the, the jet streams or whatever. He's like, I was here. And Hiroshi's like, they found you in the woods outside Higa Shizumu. I don't know where that's at. He's like, inside it, there was a shrine. They say it's a boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead. We found a rift in there. Uh, mythography. And then Shaw like smiles. He's like, your dad would have liked that. He was right, hero. Bill Rando was right. And he's like, what exactly was my father right about? And Shaw's like, about everything. Their world and ours. Their balance. Hiroshi's like, I think you are confused. My father was crazy. After he lost my mother and then you, he lost himself. Monarch is moving you to a secure facility for observation and study. And Shaw's like, study? It looks and feels like a retirement home. I think you'll be comfortable there. And then he gets up. He's like, no, wait, you can't. Wait, hero, stop. We can do this together. We can figure it out. You and me, we can do it. And he's like, we are not doing anything. 300,000 years from the cradle of a civilization to the moon, we lived with the Titans until you three. Some beasts are best left undisturbed. And he's like, I'm sorry. He pulls out Shaw's pocket knife and he puts it on the end table. And Shaw like grabs his, his wrist. He's like, this is your legacy. This is your family business. And Hiroshi's like, I buried that family in three empty boxes a long time ago. The madness that devoured my childhood. And Shaw like grabs him by the lapels. It wasn't madness. Hiroshi's like, then it was a choice. Maybe that makes it worse. And then he just leaves. So we see the quote unquote retirement home. There, there's like a chess table. There's like a puzzle. Shaw sitting and watching TV. He looks a, a little disheveled. This nurse brings him some meds, like one of the little paper cups. He just takes it, no fuss. Doesn't even, he just downs it. Then, uh, then like uh, in a blink, like someone walks by, and then he he changes from Wyatt Russell to Kurt Russell. So he's been there, all you know, all that time, another twenty years or whatever, twenty some years. Uh, then he's sitting in front of TV. Gets more meds, but then there's breaking news on a TV. Honolulu devastated. So this is from 2014 Godzilla movie. Shaw's just like staring at the screen. So like the other Titans are attacking. And then he like looks at the little cup with the meds in his hand. And he like crush, crushes it in his fist. So now he's like, I'm not taking more meds. So then in uh, 2015, May's like, oh my God. And Shaw's like, yeah, well, now you know. She's like, you lost a lot of years of your life. He's like, I don't know. I don't think I lost years, May. I mean, if we find some way to get you home, what happened to me doesn't happen to you. Well, then I'd say it was worth it. And she's like, don't let this go to your head, but you look good for a 90-whatever. He's like, that's what everybody tells me. And he's like, then he starts yelling out again, Kay, Kay. They both continue. And May is like, like screaming out her name. Kentaro is looking through some papers in his dad's office. And then Hiroshi actually walks in. 
He's like, Kentaro. And Kentaro's like, oh, look who it is. Back from the dead again. And Hiroshi's like, how are you? I just came back to Tokyo. I haven't had much time to reach out to your mother. And Kentaro's like, more important things to do than to check in, uh, check in that we made it out of the desert alive. And he's like, we understand. He's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I was just leaving. You? And Hiroshi's like, trying to continue my work. Something went wrong in the desert, and I need to know why. Which will be considerably more difficult if you avail yourself to my files. How did you even get in here? And Katara's like, I got the keys from Kate. He's like, what were you two doing out in the desert? How did you find out I was there? And he's like, we were looking for you, Dad. We thought you were dead. And Hiroshi's like, I suppose I have a lot to explain to you both. And Katara's like, how would you even start? He's like, Kentaro, you were never meant to find out about her, about that part of my life, which is, seems very crappy and selfish and arrogant. Like, what the heck? Why Why did he have two lives? I mean, unless there's... Are we going to get some explanation? He decides, yeah, I want to have two families. I want to have two wives. Doot, doot, doot. And so he's like, you know, you weren't supposed to find out about that. Kentaro's like, too late. And then Kentaro moves to leave, but Hiroshi kind of stands in front of him. He's like, what do you hope to accomplish with those? And he's like, I want my own answers, and Monarch won't help me anymore. So I have to figure it out on my own. And he's like, it's no wonder you're angry. I know I've hurt you both, but what you're looking for is not in there. If I could just talk to you and your sister, I could. And he's like, I said it was too late for that. What is too late? And he's like, Kate died, Dad. And Hiroshi just turns. That can't be true. You're saying that to hurt me. I hurt you, and you're trying to hurt me back. Please tell me it's not. Please tell me it's not. And Hiroshi starts like sobbing. And I was like, oh. And again, you know, you don't want to think about losing a kid. He's just like, he, he falls to his knees. He's like, what have I done? And Kentaro, he's like, no pity or whatever. He's just like, if you weren't a sad, lying, secret little man who kept running away from her, Kate never would have come barging into my life. This is your fault. So then we see Kate lying on the ground in the other world. Is she dead? No. She finally opens her eyes. And, and then it's like, it almost sounds like there's like laughing or there's like voices or something like that. There's some lights in the, in the sky. She sits up. There's like blood kind of like in the back of her head. So she must have got knocked out, obviously. She sees like orange smoke going up in distance. And then it's like, wait, is there some growling? There's something nearby. Starts like walking towards her. So it almost looks like this big, super wild boar with lots of tusks and roots or spiky something sticking out of its back kate just kind of like scoots back it comes like up to her like in her face like just snorts at her and then it walks away but it kind of circles around a tree and starts heading back towards her so she's crawling it starts charging like at her and then it gets hit by something and it gets hit by something it gets hit by an arrow and then you see someone standing behind her like up on on like a rock or a tree or something like that someone with a, a bow in her hand it's friggin' Kai. She's alive, which makes sense. So, it, when back in that, the first episode when they show when she fell in, she's been there all this time. So time passes different. So that's that's the crazy thing. So Shaw was in there for a little bit of time, came out, and then spent twenty, you know, thirty years right? Would have been 30 years, 30 some years in a retirement home. But meanwhile, how long has it been for, for Kai? 
you know, she's still been in there because time passes differently. So it's just like, holy crap. It's, it's like, she's probably like her son, Hiroshi is older than she is probably. It's just, it's crazy. And Shah, you know, he's, he lost 20 years, but he's, you know, older. That, that's when I saw that. I'm like, holy crap. And it's like, I want to watch that last episode, but I haven't watched it yet. So, uh, it's 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 shows seasons over oh man please let there be another season i'm really digging and i it's making me want to go back and watch skull kong skull island godzilla the 2014 godzilla and even the kong versus godzilla i was like i gotta watch those movies again now because it's like opening up a whole lot because i never understood godzilla it's like okay these two like cockroach big giant cockroaches come crawling out godzilla comes after them so we see godzilla is like you know we know he's like king of the monsters so he's probably trying to keep them in check so it's yeah i'm, I'm just really curious to see these again okay then percy jackson season one episode six we take a zebra to vegas this was a this was an okay episode um, it feels like not as much ha- happened, but it's uh, obviously, you know, moving the story forward. So I guess the kind of bummer is, you know, we're obviously we're getting towards the end of the season and it's just kind of a, a lack of action, I guess. I don't know. So uh, it's weird. Someone's talking, the closed caption says it's a headmaster. So uh, he's like, someone's in the shadow. You can't see who it is. He's like, do you think you're a special lightning thief? Do you think you cannot be replaced? I gave you the tools to steal the master bolt, only to watch it taken from you. That mistake has been corrected, but there is too much at stake for you to fail me again. The war ahead of us, the war beyond Zeus and Poseidon's war. Give me reason to question your worthiness again. And there is another that just might be ready to take your place. So then we see, it's like, wait, because at first I thought he was talking to Percy, but no, no, Percy's actually outside, like this office, kind of like spying, listening in. And then at this point, the headmaster, whoever the shadow person, is, is that right, little hero? And he kind of like turns towards like the door. He's like, not time for us to meet quite yet. Run along now and show me what you are capable of. And the door like shuts and Percy kind of wakes up. So he's in the truck, uh, the, the moving truck that, Harry set them up with there's like animals like squeaking and growling whatever rover uh sticks his head out of the top of truck to see where they're at says that they're almost there annabeth is moving uh this big crystal thing about like kind of rotating it whatever and she's then she's like i got a signal so she tells percy to throw a coin because that's how you get a god's attention or something like that she's like oh iris goddess of the rainbow please accept my offering and then the light reflection kind of shimmers and she's like, okay, show me calm half-blood Chiron's office. And then they, they see Luke, and he turns. He's like, Annabeth, Percy. And, and he's like, are you okay? And sh- she says that they're fine. She's like, where's Chiron? And he's like, Chiron's holding camp together with both hands. Everyone thinks we're going to war, so the cabins are taking sides. Please tell me that you're calling with good news. Percy's like, we know who stole the bolt. He's like, how do you know? And she's like, we ran into Ares, and Grover got him talking and realized Ares knew who the thief was covering for them. So who would Ares cover for other than, and Luke's like, his favorite daughter. Clarice is a lightning thief. 
And Chris is like, Chiron's got to arrest her. Find out what she knows. There's more to this than just a bolt. Something bigger. Don't ask me how I know. You just got to trust me. So Luke's like, okay, I'm on it. So Aries, huh? What was that like? And Percy's like, well, compared to the Chimera on Monday and Medusa on Sunday, could have been a lot worse. And Annabeth's like, uh, Medusa was Saturday. And Percy's like, I thought Sunday. And she's like, no monsters on Sunday. Monday, you died in the river. And Percy's like, right. So Medusa on Saturday. And Luke's like, guys, it's like, what is this? And Percy's like, what? He's like, when did you turn into an old married couple? And Percy's like, not to change the subject, but I'm gonna. We could use your adv advice on something. We're headed to Las Vegas to find your debt. And then Annabeth turns off the, the crystal, like breaking connection. Percy's like, what was that about? And she's like, you can't ask Luke about his dad. He's like, well, now I certainly can't. She's like, if you tell him that we're going to see Hermes, he's going to try to talk us out of it. We don't need that right now. He's like, they don't get along. She's like, at all. And then Grover has some updates. He's like, the men driving the truck are not nice people. They're traffickers. And he he's like, we and they're trafficking animals. Annabeth's like, we can do our best to help all these animals escape, but not if it means we're jeopardizing the quest. Grover's like, oh no, they've already got a, a plan to get themselves out and us too. The only thing is, basically, they lack thumbs to to carry out their plan to get out. So then the next scene, we see the animals are out. The truck's, like, in the middle of the road. There's, like, a traffic jam. And, you know, there's, like, ostrich sitting out there and whatever and next to a car and stuff. So uh, the, the kids are standing, like, on, on the side of the road. And Percy's, like, he thinks it's dangerous. They're, like, no, the animals should be fine. He's, like, no, for the people. So then they arrive at the casino. Percy just wants to hang out there for a bit. Annabeth stops him and says that they need to find Hermes, get him to get to him, and then plan... Uh, figure out how they're going to get to the underworld. And then they'll be out of here 10 seconds later. But Percy, he's like, oh, I, I was I was kidding. And then Grover says, he's like, hang on. So he's like, he says, Percy's like, your your mother told you the stories. Does she read you the, the Odyssey? And Percy's like, uh, the graphic novel. Annabeth like, gives him a look. So Odysseus lands on a beach there's these guys who've forgotten where they came from. They forgot everything that was important to them. They got that way because they ate. And Percy's like, the lotus flowers. And I guess that's the hotel, the casinos called it the lotus or something like that. So she's like, if we go in there and forget everything, that would be bad on a number of levels. And Percy's like, well, if Hermes is in there, what choice do we have? He's like, what do you think, wise girl? And she's like, just don't eat anything. So inside, they comment how like looks bigger on the inside. Annabeth suggests they split up since it's so large. Percy's like, I thought we don't do that anymore. He's like, plus, the two of you have seen Hermes before. I haven't. So it's like, you know, what good would that do? So Annabeth suggests that Grover takes one side and, they, and she'll go with Percy to the other. She's like, you know, we'll meet back in like 20 minutes. Grover's like, well, what should I say to him if, if I find him first? She's like, don't say anything. Just, you know, meet us back here 20 minutes and take me to talk to him. Percy's like, he asks, asks Annabeth, was, they split up. He's like, what can you say to Hermes that Grover can't? She's like, she said that, you know, she was with Luke for a long time before Grover. So she saw stuff that Grover didn't get to see. And he's like, like meeting Luke's dad? She says, like meeting Luke's mother. He's like, she's a seer, 
a human who can see through the mist. Sometimes they see stuff that messes them up, scary stuff, stuff that hasn't happened yet. It's like, I think that happened to her. Luke blames Hermes for it. And I think Hermes would do anything to win him back. Maybe helping us would be a start. So Grover is like kind of walk around. Then he sees someone who recognizes there's a like another satyr or whatever, I guess, with that was I think there with the big horns on the side. Is it the same as him? Just grown? I don't know. Uh, so he raises his hand and the dude like turns and leaves and grows like wait because like augustus he like he then he goes up to him and cuts him off he's like it's me grover he's like do you remember me and he's like oh you don't remember me you ate the lotus flowers he's like can i just say a couple things you were really important to my family i know you were a big influence my uncle ferdinand when, when he was preparing for his search he talked about you and he's like ferdinand and grover's like yeah i just want to let you know i found him Back in New Jersey, that was as far as he got in a search for Pan. Not sure why I'm telling you this, but it's just hard for me to talk to my friends about this. And then Augustus whispers, I found him. And Grover's like, like, no, no, I found Ferdinand. It's okay. I shouldn't be bothering you. It's just, he's like, no, not Ferdinand. I found Pan. And Grover's like, what? He's like, well, almost. He's, he's here. I've almost got him. Grover, I just been waiting for someone to to help me break through to him, and here you are. Will you help me? So then, uh, back to Percy and Annabeth. Percy's like, "Look, if I tell you something, will you promise not to make fun of me?" And she's like, "Dude," he's like, "Right." So I've been having these dreams for a while. Uh, they, they were weird. Then, like Luke's mom, you know, they got scary, and then this guy started showing up and talking to me. But it's not like a, like a regular dream. It's more like he knows we're in a dream. Today it was different. Like. I somehow ended up in his dream, like I was eavesdropping on him, talking to, and she's like, talking to who? Percy's like, the person who stole the master bolt for him. She's like, you're eavesdropping on Hades, conspiring with Clarice through your dreams? He's like, the part I don't get, though, is that they were talking about what comes next, like getting Zeus and Poseidon to fight was only the beginning, and they're planning something bigger on top of it. So... Do you think it's real? Because if it's real, something the gods don't even know about? I mean, what are we supposed to do about that? And she's like, I don't know. He's like, you don't know? She's like, there are things I don't know. He's like, yeah, but if you don't know, I mean, what chance do I have? And she's like, well, it isn't going to make any difference unless we actually get to Santa Monica first. We don't have much time. So Grover's following after Augustus. He's like, like wait, I don't think I'm allowed to do this. I don't have my searcher's license to look for Pan. And he's like, well, I won't tell if you won't. So then he's like, uh, maybe a stupid question, but what is Pan doing in a Vegas casino? He's like, the God of nature has been hiding all this time here. This is like the, the least natural place in the world. Seems like a strange choice. He's like, Augustus? He's like, yeah, I'm sorry. Have we met? He keeps he's like, eating out of this like paper bag, like snacking on something. So he's like, have we met? And Grover's like, yeah, Augustus. He's like, yeah. And Grover's like, yeah. Augustus offers some of whatever he's eating. Grover's like, I can't eat the lotus flower. Augustus like, they're nacho chips. And Grover looks. He's like, wait, I don't understand. If you're not eating the flowers, why aren't you remembering things? He's like, what's going on here? He's like, I, I, I gotta tell. I gotta tell. Wait, I'm here with someone, right? And Augustus like, you're here with me. It's just a little further ahead. Will you help me? And Grover's like yeah so then hermes is gambling at a table percy and annabeth walk up he's like oh 
hey, demigods. And Annabeth's like, we were sent to find you. He's like, well, you found me. Come join us. You kids know how to play craps? Oh, and uh, so Hermes is played by Lin-Manuel Miranda. So uh, he's, he's, he's good. At first when I was like, wait, what? But he's good. So Annabeth's like, you know, we don't really have time. We need your help. He's like, oh, I know, know, I know what you need my help for. You want my help to sneak into the underworld. And Percy's like, wow, you're a really good guesser. Hermes like, I exist beyond space and time, kid. Why do you think they put me in charge of delivering the mail? It's like, look, you're not the first demigods to ask. And trust me, you won't be the first demigods to walk away disappointed. So you might as well play anyways. Annabeth's like, we're friends of Luke's. And he's like, yeah. Okay. And he takes them to this other area. So he's like, time and space are easy, kids. Parenting is something else entirely. So he has them sit at this table and he has a drink, whatever. And at the Annabeth, he's like, I remember you. You were there the last time I saw Luke. She's like, yes, I saw you argue. And I heard what you said, that what happened to his mom was your fault. That, you know, it was all your fault. That he hated you. So she's like, help us retrieve the master bolt from Hades. And, you know, he'll see that you care. So Hermes like, there is a way into the underworld, a secret way. I've helped others find it before. And do you know what happens to everyone? Every single time. He's like, you don't want my help, trust me. And Percy's like, no, we actually kind of do. He's like, I was warned to stay away from Luke and his mother, warned that no matter how much I tried to help, I would just make things worse. And I went anyways. And it wasn't just awful for Luke. It was awful for all of us. Do you know what it feels like to be so close to someone you love knowing neither of you has any choice but to keep hurting each other. It's like, I know you do. He reaches out and touches like Percy's arm. He gets like some memory flash sitting in a car, like outside of school, like when he was younger. And then, uh, then he like, let's go. Then Hermie turns to Annabeth. Should I remind you too? She like pulls her arm back. She's like, I, I remember just fine. He's like, are you going to help us or not? I don't get involved anymore. It's just not worth it. I'm sorry. And then Annabeth's like, then this was just a waste, all a waste of time. And we don't have time to waste. So she gets up and like, like walks out. And so Percy's still there. He's like, she has a right to be angry. It isn't fair. None of it is. And Percy's like, thanks. That's super helpful. So he moves to uh, get up. And Hermie's like, it was your father who warned me to stay away. Said it was awful watching you struggle and feel powerless to stop it. But that sometimes... That's what parenting is. And Percy's like, I was supposed to see him. and he, He'd meet me in Santa Monica. Why would he say that if it'll if he thinks it'll just make things worse? And Hermes like, it is very hard for a god to feel powerless. I guess we're all just doing the best we can. Percy gets up. He's like, makes you feel any better. It won't be much use anyway. And he's like, what's that supposed to mean? So Hermes like looks at his watch and kind of grimaces. So Percy rushes out, finds Annabeth. He's like, we have a huge problem. I know it seems like we've only been here for like 20 minutes, but it's already Thursday. We've been here for days. Time moves different in here, faster. Every second in here is like minutes outside. So he's like, Hermes just let us sit at that table the whole time, knowing the clock was running out on our quest. He's like, then I feel better for having stolen his keys. And she holds up some keys. And Percy's like, exactly. Wait, what? 
So she says that she turned invisible, picked his pocket to get his car keys. So they just need to find his car. It'll transport them anywhere they want to go. So they still have time to finish the quest before the solstice if they hurry. So he's like, Hermes told me something else. It was like, wait, when did he tell him this? Maybe they, they cut whatever we didn't see this part. He's like, the reason we can't feel the passing of time is because of the lotus fruit. She's like, we didn't eat any. He's like, they pump it into the air. It makes you forget. Hermes reminded me that there was something we needed to do before we could leave. And she's like, Grover. And Priest's like, who's Grover? And then she nods towards Augustus coming down the escalator. And Priest's like, man, Grover got old. It's like, how long have we been here? So Annabeth goes up to him and says that they're looking for their friend Grover, a, a satyr. He like looks at him and he's like all nervous. He kind of panics and runs. So they split up. They start chasing him. Percy, Percy ends up like tackling him. He's like, where's Grover? So Grover is playing like VR. There's a bunch of people like on these little platform things, whatever. They're, they got the VR helmet and they're, they're pl he's playing something. So they go up to him. They get attention. They take the, the, the visor off. He doesn't recognize them. So Percy, you know, explains that they have to go, that they're best friends, are on a quest, and everything. So they go in a parking garage to look for Hermes' cars. Grover says that, you know, he, he starts talking about, about the game. He says that it felt like he was hunting for Pan, like he was so close, he's about to find him. He's, you know, about to save the natural world. And then Annabeth calls out to him. She's standing by a cab. So Percy's like, Hermes drives a cab? She's like, he left a note. And Percy's like, how do we know it's for us? She turns the envelope and says, to the dumb kids. <laughs> She's like, I should have known the God of Thieves w would notice his pocket getting picked. So she reads, uh, looks at it over the, the letter. Back door to the underworld, magic word, map in a glove box. And he says that we'll become travelers once we're on the road. And the car will take us wherever we want to go. Percy's like, so one of us has to drive it out of the garage. They both like look at Grover. He's like, uh, I'm, I'm still not feeling 100% sure, you know, what we're doing. So it seems disqualifying. Percy's like, yeah. He's like, well, I killed a minotaur my first try. How hard could this be? <laughs> Drives the, the car, like, into, like, a, a big pillar. Then he's like, okay, okay, that, that was my fault, you know, whatever. And then he's like, how do you make this go backwards? Backs it up. <laughs> hits, like, another pillar. And it was like, uh, maybe try aiming for the middle. So they start driving. Like, it's like lurching. Like, they, they finally see the exit sign. So it looks like it's kind of going well. He's going really slow. But then there's like, he's like scraping against the, the wall on the passenger side. And there's like sparks in that. And then the, the, the barrier thing, they just drive through that. Then they go out in the street. There's like truck headed towards them on the passenger side. And then it's like about to slam into them. But then they're parked. They're like, at a beach. Because uh, at first I was like, wait, is it raining? So Annabeth's like, turn off the lights. So then Grover, he's like, hey, they, they get out. He's like, oh, I remember you guys. And I was like, how can I forget that? Whatever. Percy's like, I think I have to go meet my dad now. Because they're at the beach. There, there's an ocean there, I guess. And he's like, what do I even say to him? Annabeth's like, you'll know. And then he per Percy just walks towards the ocean. He walks in. Then he's like swimming. A figure appears. It's, I think it's that same lady as before. I think it was Nareed. She's like, uh, sorry, he waited as long as he could. The summer solstice passed earlier this evening. Zeus's deadline has elapsed. Your father has gone to marshal his forces and prepare for war. He asked that I relay a message. This is not your fault. You were brave. You were strong. You made your father proud. Now, 
it's time for you to return to camp. And Percy's like, no, I'm going to see this through. She's like, you are released from your quest. Percy's like, I don't care. This is too important. The war is only the beginning of Hades' plans. There's something else coming, something worse. My father doesn't know about that, does he? I have to stop him. I have to keep going. If you can help, then you must help. And she's like, so willful, just like him. There is so much of him in you. We all see it. What belongs to the sea can always return. So then she gives him like four glowing like pearls or like big beads or something like that. Each will provide one of you safe passage back from the underworld. And he's like, there are four of them. She's like, save the world and then go save your mother. And that's the end of the episode. So, okay, so we got Hermes. Uh, we got some kind of answers. Getting a little, little, little tidbits of stuff. But uh, it's almost like, what, what was kind of the point of that? Because what did they really get from, I mean, I guess going from the truck to the casino to the beach. So maybe they're by Santa Monica now. But it's just, I don't know, it seems kind of weird. It, it was fine. I mean, I'm not complaining. But it just seems like not as much happened. I don't know. But... Yeah, I think there's two more episodes left. All right, so then Echo, 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 Echo. <laughs> That's not even funny. Come on. Uh, so we'll do episode three and four. And it's, you know, so I, I'm not the biggest Echo fan. It's fine. But we, we get a lot of Kingpin. We get more Kingpin here. And, man, Vincent Donfrio, is that his name? Sorry. He's he's just so good. I hate Kingpin. I hate him in the comics, but man, he's just he's so good in the character. It's like wow. So let's just get to it. So uh, this episode uh, episode three is Tuklo. Tuk, Tuk Tuk I think uh, I don't like the way this started. It's kind of like old timey silent film cards. And what I don't like about this, so we're seeing one of the ancestors, but when. Echo, she's she gets some like ancestor ancestor flashes, and it's like in this like sepia tone, which just seems kind of silly. So the film car car is like in the late eighteen hundreds, Indian country was infested with dangerous criminals threatening the safety of the native nations. Tribes established their own police force to bring these criminals to justice. These tribal police were called the Light Horsemen. So the, again, the sepia tone footage. You see four dudes riding on horses. Then there's target practice. The car's like bang. Then there's this girl that's like target practicing. Uh, the card continues. Her father was a light horseman, but Tuklo was a mighty force all on her own. And then she says, you know, the card says, "The time is right, father. I am ready to join you. I want to be a light horseman." And her dad's like, "No." Women are life giver. Men are life takers. And she's like, to give life means nothing if I cannot protect it. And then she turns and rides away. So later she's sitting by a stream. And she's like thinking, braids are for men. Braids are, are for Choctaw warriors. So then she's like putting her hair into braids. Um, and so I guess, you know, so they'll see her as she wants them to see her. So then the men go looking, they're searching for criminals. They come across like a campsite. You know, there's like a tent, there's like fire going on. They, there's like a blanket, someone's sleeping. They pull it, but it's a trap. There's no one there. And then bang, they start getting shot. Meanwhile, Tuklo senses something. She's still by the stream. The water starts glowing and she gets flashes to her ancestors, that lacrosse game thing, whatever. 
and then she shows up. This is super cheesy. She's like standing on some rocks, pretty much like shooting everyone. Bam, bam, bam. It's like, oh, okay. So she can shoot every single person, doesn't get even shot. No one's even shooting in her direction. So then uh, in the, the present, Chula echoes Maya's uh, grandmother, goes to the pawn shop, sees Scully, and she's, she's like, Maya's back. And he's like, he says that he thought that might have something to do with, with it. And she mentions Biscuit totaled her truck and he's covering for Maya. So, you know, she's bringing trouble back and he's caught up in it. In it. So she's too much like her father. And Scully's like, you don't know that. He's like, you don't even know her. And Trula's like, and you do? You haven't seen her any more than I have in the last 20 years. And Scully's just kind of silent. And she's like, oh, really? You know, what's she up to then? He's like, not up to me to say. So he tells her, he's like, to ask her herself, but she like scoffs. And he says that they're so alike. She disagrees. And he's, he says that, you know, every, or she says that everything that she has done has been to protect her family and those she cares about. And Scully says that he's like, you've already lost your daughter. Now you're, you know, risking losing your granddaughter too. And she says that, that she's like, I can't talk to her now. You know, I have nothing to say. And Scully's like, well, maybe you shouldn't talk to her. Maybe you should listen for once. And then she gets up and leaves. So that one dude that worked at the the skating rink, Vicky, who is like ratting uh, Maya out because he wants to get a bounty. He's talking to someone about, you know, selling her out. The guy says, he's like, you better not be wrong. He's like, okay, wait for my call tonight. Maya walks by the house. She's like, you know, walk by a lake. She like senses a, like someone behind her. But but there's she like spins there's there's no one there. Then she turns back and there's a, one of her ancestors like in front of her and she gets some flashes like was it a warning or something like that? But it's actually more like a distraction because then someone comes up behind her, puts like a, a rag with like chloroform or whatever, and knocks her out. She wakes up. She's hanging upside down in in the middle of the roller rink, and she's able to like slip free by kind of like loosening her prosthetic foot or leg. She falls to the floor. Vicky. And again, Vicky's a dude. Vicky and two women walk up. They're smiling. And, and then we see Henry's like tied up and gagged like off to the side. He's like sitting one of the chairs or whatever. So they, they kind of pick up Maya. They move her. They go into like this, this storage room and they, they tie her to like this big post or something like that. Bonnie shows up at the bowling alley she finds that the, the, the door is locked so she's like knocking then she goes around back to the delivery door she walks in so apparently bonnie is uh or henry is her uncle because she's like uncle henry henry then he, you know he's tied up he pops out so i guess they untied him to go talk to her to like get, get rid of her so he's like oh now is not a good time he's like i you know i have to deal with the irs i'm buried in paperwork and everything like that but while he's talking he's kind of like signaling with his hand to his side against his leg so she notices and then uh he you know, he tells her she should just go so she goes to her truck she picks up a walkie-talkie like on a dash she calls like dispatch but then she gets grabbed from behind maya she looks around the, the storage room that she's in and then bonnie's brought in so they like kind of stare at each other and then Maya decides to to move she grabs her her boot that her like prosthetic the boot and the prosthetic that's like nearby she grabs it with her her foot and like pulls it towards her there's like a hidden knife that pops out of the front and so she sticks it behind her somehow i guess she like kicked it behind her somehow she cuts herself free 
which seems kind of impressive. She unties Bonnie, and they like sign to each other. So Bonnie tries talking, but Maya says that she's looking for a way out. Then she says that she's just here for business, you know, be in and out. She didn't want to, uh, you know, didn't want to bother her. Bonnie's like, you won't even look me in the eye. And Bonnie says that, you know, she's like, I waited you for you every night for years. And Maya's like, we drifted apart. It happens. Bonnie mentions like, you know, sending texts and emails. You know, she's like, I could have been there, you know, after your, your dad died. Henry's trying to reason with Vicky, but then uh, Henry finds out that Vicky calls someone and Henry was like, there's no way they're going to pay you and just let you walk out. Vicky and the ladies go into the storage room. One of them has a gun out. So they, they say something to Bonnie. And Maya's just like kind of watching. Then Vicky has a, a phone or something in his hand. And one of, the, one of the ladies like knocks it out for some reason. And then Maya picks it up. So they see that she's not zip tied anymore. And Vicky's, he's like, no, no, no. He's like, don't shoot her. He's like, you know, if she's dead, when they get here, we ain't getting paid. So he tells both, you know, both the ladies put their guns down. Bonnie says that she's like, I can talk to her. And, you know, she raised her hands. So Bonnie signs that someone's coming to pay for her. So she's like, what should we do? And Maya's like, I'm going to punch you. And it punches her. They start going at it. The others are like surprised. So Maya tosses a phone at one lady and that kind of throws her off. And she like kicks her. Vicky says that she's like, no, we need her alive. He and the other lady, they like, leave and like lock the door they pulled bonnie out too so they debate what to do and then uh vicky gets a text i'm here don't make me regret this so they're gonna want to come in to negotiate because instead of going whatever so maya's looking around the room you know so now she's you know she's not tied up she finds like some skate wheel um nuts or something something like small so Vicky talks to his contact. So I think it's that, that Zane dude. Vicky keeps wanting to see the money. He's he's like he's like we have protocols. I'm not just gonna I'm not just gonna walk in with it. But Vicky's like, well, you know, whatever. I need to see the money. He keeps pushing it, and they're just not listening. He's like, well, what do you expect, dude? So Maya's making something out of a skate and like ball bearings or whatever. And there's, there's somehow there's like laser sighting. I don't know why why that would be back there. I mean, unless there's like some guns or something. So Maya, she kind of targets. You know, there, there's like one of those windows above the door. So she she kind of she shoots one or whatever, and it kind of it bounces whatever. But then she's able to shoot out the light from outside the storage room. So the dumb lady with, with comes in with her gun in the dark. Maya shoots her like several times in the gut, like with her contraption thing, and then like pounds her in the face. Vicky keeps saying, you know, he's asking for the money, you know, as they're like kind of walking around. So then one guy's like, oh, hey, he recognizes Henry. Then Maya texts Vicky and Grace like a photo of the other lady tied up and knocked out. Grace says that she's going to go check on something in the back. Vicky says, you know, he mentions the money again. So Zane's just kind of had it. He's just, he tells his men to like to take Vicky out. So Vicky tries like hopping over like the railing, whatever. He gets shot in the back. And then Zane thanks him for the tip, says that it would have been nice if she was, it was here. And then this, this dude says that, I, I think it was Grace, the other one, she's like running out. So Zane's like, whatever. He's like, that's fine. You know, and he says, you know, Henry is going to, given the answers that he wants he asks you know where's maya lopez then the the lights the the lights shut off and it's just like the red like backup lights whatever dragula by rob zombie starts playing very loudly 
And Henry says that the circuit breaker is in the uh, laser tag area. So they take Henry over there. You know, I forget if there's like two guys or something like that. They open the the circuit breaker or whatever, and then they one guy gets like zapped, and he gets like he goes flying across the room. Henry laughs. Yeah, the guy's like he rigged the place. So Maya takes out one guy. Other people see the dude like knocked out, whatever. She takes out a second, and a third, and a fourth, and fifth. So then they they go crashing through the wall, like onto the ring floor. She like shoots a guy in in a hand. Ancestors flashing, you know she's getting these flashbacks. More fighting, lots of deaths. Uh, and it, she uses like I don't know if I don't think the game was Time Crisis, but it's like an arcade game with like you know the the light guns. She like rips them off, and they got like big hoses, whatever. So she like uses those like like as whips or whatever. Uh, she's a bite like skeet ball. You know she takes a bunch of balls like throwing at, at, at dudes. And then she sees Zane with like Bonnie, and so she surrenders. So Maya and Henry are made to kneel. Zane's about to shoot Henry in the head, but then his his phone rings. So so the, the ringtone is Don Henley's in, in a New York minute. So someone gives him like harsh orders and like cuts the, the call. He hesitates and he tells the remaining men, he's like, let's go. Henry, Maya, and Bonnie, they're just like, like around, they're like confused. They're like, what the heck just happened? So Maya apologized to Bonnie for hitting her. Maya, she just wants to go. She's like, you know, yeah, she says something about, you know, she can't deal with the police, whatever. Bonnie asks if they'll be back. And Maya's like, she's like, I won't let them hurt you. She's like, I promise. And she tells Bonnie to go home. So she goes back inside, talking to Henry. And she's like, you know, what the heck just happened? He's like, which part? You know, whatever. And she says that she wouldn't be here if someone hadn't called Zane and his dogs off. Henry says there's only one person who could have, you know, done that. And she's like, I shot him in the face. But Henry is like, you know, the thing has just gotten tense. He's like, if the offer still stands, he's like, I'm helping you. At the house, Scully comes over. He gives her like this leg plate or something like that. It's like this decorative thing. She's looks at it. She's like, yeah, I, I kind of prefer something more plain. And he's like, well, in, in New York, you know, when you're there, you represent the Choctaw. It's like that symbol means one is on the scene. And so then he puts it like on her new leg. And she's, he says that she knows that, you know, he doesn't get in family business since her grandmother and him are, aren't together anymore. He's like, but you won't go to see her. And Maya's like, she doesn't want to see me. And he's like, her heart was broken when you left. And, you know, she, you, she like, she left this place like, like a museum. Maya's like, she could have reached out to me. She never did. And Scully's like, I guess we all do things we wish were different. And he like snaps the cover onto the whatever thing, and then he leaves. She's riding. At first, I thought she was going to Chula's, but no, I guess she's just, I don't know what. She must have just gone for a ride, because then I th I'm pretty sure she ended up back at her place. And she's shocked because Kingpin's standing right there, and he has a bandage like patch over his eye. And he's kind of wearing like like a plain suit, and he's not wearing a tie. And that's the end of the episode. So it's like, oh boy, Kingpin's there. So episode four, uh, Taloa, it starts out 2008, New York City. You see this in, in a trailer. Uh, young Maya, she exits school. She's in her school uniform. She tries ordering ice cream from a, a guy with like with a cart. And he's like getting mad. He's like such a jerk to her. He's like, use your words. So he's just not aware that she can't talk. And, you know, he doesn't care. Kingpin's watching from his car. 
And then he, she runs up to the car and gets in. He's like, wait here, Maya. He's like, uncle has something he needs to do. So he goes after the ice cream dude. And he like grabs him from behind. Just like, vroom, like th- tosses him into an alley. He's a, and then he like he kind of like growls, throws him against the wall, and then he starts he throws him, he bashes him against the dumpster, and he punches him two, three, he punches him nine times, and there's like blood splattered on his suits, there's like blood pouring like out of the guy's like uh, face, and then Fisk picks up his 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 phone, he's hands shaking a little bit, he's like I need a new jacket, I don't want Maya to see, but she got out of. Uh, the, the car and she's standing in the, the alley entrance and she sees a dude and he's like don't be afraid she runs up and she like kicks the guy and she kicks him again Kingpin's like impressed and he takes her hand and they, they, they walk up so then 2021 er, dinner at Kingpin's place he raises a toast to her final lesson he says they'll still have their, their Sunday dinner but her tutelage has come to an end so she, she's ready to move on from the theoretical to the practical. He's like, you know, you and I were the only ones we could trust. That's your final lesson. Then he dismisses the interpreter, signer lady. And Maya, she looks a little concerned. And then you can hear her saying, she's like, I don't know anything. I won't say anything to anyone. And then there's a muffled gunshot. And then the camera kind of like pans a little bit. And you see there's like plastic sheets and stuff like that. So they they had it like in a hall and they're like wrapping up their body in the, in the sheets. And Kingpin, meanwhile, all the time, he's just sitting at a table, still eating, like nothing's going on. Then uh, Maya's so in the present, she's staring at, at Kingpin, she puts her jacket back on because, you know, she took it off when she got off her bike. Fisk has like other dudes like there. So a couple come up and like grab her from behind. They like force her eye open. So I was like, is he going to poke out her eye? Because, you know, he, it looks like his eye is out, so he's going to get revenge. But Kingpin takes out like this little case, and it's like, wait, what are those contacts? So he takes it, puts it in her eye, which I would never want to put someone else's um, contact in their eye. And he puts like an earpiece in. So the, the contact lens, it kind of maps, maps him out, and there's like these virtual hands appear in front of him, and he signs, can we talk? And she's like, what the hell is this? So it's it's like automatically interpreting like you know what, what he's doing and saying or whatever. And he's like, a gift. She's like, you can understand what I'm saying? He's like, yes. I commissioned a few accessories. I thought it was important that we could communicate with no go-between. She's like, I thought you were... He's like, dead? Yes. You made that very clear in New York. She's like, why are you here? He motions to his guys... And he hands him a bag and a bottle. I thought we could have a Sunday family dinner like we used to. And she's like, it's Thursday. So they, they go inside the house, just the two of them. He's like, I'm not angry with you, Maya, despite the little souvenir you left me. He takes the bandage off and is like, wait, is it some sort of electronic eye? Because there's like some gears or something, according to closed caption. He's like, but you did what you thought you had to, just like I taught you. And... I was impressed. And I think there's a part of you that's happy I'm still alive. And she's like, no, I can assure you, I wanted you dead. He's like, but your face, it told another story. Now, just now when you saw me, relief. You know, it hurts that you were so ready to believe the worst. You raised a hand to me 
in violence. By and she's like, violence was always our language. And he's like, I thought you saw my actions as heroic. And she's like, I used to. I always had your back. Even then, I couldn't stand when you get hurt. It hasn't changed. And it's weird. He like closes the curtains, like in the kitchen. It's like, what, what, what's, what's going on? He's like, I'll, or she's like, I'll open the wine. So he goes into the other room. He like looks at a picture like Maya with Bonnie and Chula and her parents. She's at the sink and she's pouring the wine down a drain. And then they sit at the table. She opens like two cans of beer. He's like, what happened to the Lafayette or whatever the wine was? She says she poured it down a drain. And he's like, ah, oh, it came highly recommended. So he opens a bag, takes out like a box of cookies from just one place. Are they still your favorite? She doesn't say no. And so he's like, good. Let's hope these don't go the way of the wine. And he's like, it's been a long time since we've had one of our dinners. And then a knife falls on the floor. They both kind of go for it, but he picks it up. And then he like hands it to her. So it's kind of like, this is obviously like a, a trust move. He's like, I told you, you and I are the only ones we can trust. I see everything that you are. I always have. And she's like, why are you here? I have a proposition. You want an empire? You'll have it. You can have everything. All you have to do is come home with me. I'm leaving to New York this weekend. Until then, I'm at the Choctaw Casino. I'll be waiting for you. I hope you're on that plane with me. And he gets up. He didn't eat. He's like, think about it. And he walks out. So she uh, goes to talk to Henry. And he's like, wait, you had dinner? And she's like, he's offering me queen pin. And he's like, please tell me that you're not that stupid. And she's like, you think I can't do it? And he's like, I know you can. That's what scares me. And he's like, do you know why I'm 45 and alone? Because everyone I cared about was taken away by him. After your father died, I tried to get out. Fisk threatened to kill me if I did. So I just came back here and did his dirty work. And I don't want you to become me. She says that. There's your signs. She's like, you say you're concerned about me, but you left me in New York alone, and I was not okay. And he's like, uh, I'm sorry. I was confused, scared. So then it cuts to the Choctaw Fairgrounds. Chula gets some ancestor flashes, and at the same time, Maya's getting flashes too. And it almost it's like almost knocks uh, Maya back. But Chula seems just like very calm about all this. So Henry drives Maya to Chula's. He's driving almost like a madman. And uh, she like wakes up, like comes out of it, like right when they, they pull up in a driveway. And she's like, wait, where am I? And it's like, you know, what are you doing? Chula had stepped out on her porch, like kind of like the same time when they pulled up. So he, he says that there's something going on. And he's like, Chula can help you. It's like, go now. She's like hesitant, but she takes off her seatbelt. She, you know, reluctantly gets out. They like stare at each other. You know, Maya, you know, walks up, more staring. Chula finally, you know, motions to, to go inside. She sets out like some cookies or crackers or whatever. And she asks if she wants some to drink. She's like, there's pop, which is like, it's so weird when people say pop instead of soda or soda pop. Maya just, she's like, let's stop pretending everything's normal. Chula, she's like, fine here sit and she's like you tell me what henry thought was so important so maya's like there's something going on in my head 
sometimes I think I'm losing it, like dreams that come whether I'm asleep or not. The last 24 hours have been more intense. And he's like, how? It's like overwhelming. I'm seeing a bunch of people I don't recognize in a place I've never been to before. And he's like, how long has this been happening? And she's like, since I got to Tamaha. She's like, what are you seeing? And Maya's like, a cave collapsing and trees, you know, a woman braiding her hair. Like, And she's like, what? Because you know, she's got this look on her face. So she was like, everything makes sense now. What you're describing, it's what I saw on the night that I gave birth to your mother. Doctors at the hospital found complications with my pregnancy. Me and the baby, your mother, were both in danger. They said that it's in God's hands. Against doctor's order, my family took me out of the white hospital, brought me to a midwife where I could be surrounded by my sisters. And then she sees like the lights, you know, trees light up and you know, then it's like nighttime. She's like, I could hardly say that they were always with me, that they had the ability to know when your mother and I, she's like, it was a life or death ordeal. So Taloa came into this world and she set about lifting the, the pain of others. So she had this gift because she was a healer and there was a, a unique connection between a mother and her child, the, an unbreakable connection. So when your mother was killed, I my heart, it shattered. It's like, I wanted to die. And she's like, you? And then Maya's like, you disowned me. And she was like, no, not you, your father. I was angry. And Maya's like, all I ever heard growing up from my dad was how you dis destroyed the, this family, how you wanted nothing to do with us. And she's like, I couldn't bear to be around you. You, you know, you're so much alike. And I think generations are echoing, reaching out to us at a time when we need them the most. And I was like, I was a child. I needed you. And she like slams her hand down on the table and she like stands up. But you chose yourself. And she goes outside. Henry's like, how'd that go? And she's like, I don't know, exhausting. They drive away and Chula's still sitting at the table. Then she goes in this other room and she looks at this like outfit, like on this like kind of dressing mannequin, whatever. And she starts crying. So then later Maya's riding her bike. Bonnie's sitting in her kitchen. Biscuit goes to his junkyard, look for truck parts for, for Chula's truck. Maya's still riding. Chula works on pounding on some leather. Maya ends up at the casino. She pulls out her gun in the hall. Fisk's door is opened. She goes in inside. He's just sitting there. He has his like his back to the door. And then he like turns and he stands up. He he's in, even shows that he's has his cane, his walking stick or whatever. So he's like, I suspect you've come to kill me again. So then he sits in another chair. I can't remember a time when I haven't loved you like a daughter. We only had each other. Don't you remember? And she's like, the memory's a lie. A child's fantasy that turned a monster into a hero. He's like, a monster? You knew what you were part of at every turn. All the people you killed for me, did you plead for their lives? He's like, I ask you, who's the monster? She's like, you isolated me, told me that you were the only one I could trust, but it was all a lie. Even these contacts, you got them because you didn't care enough to learn to sign. Which is, that's exactly what I thought. It's like, why would he not learn sign language in all, all these years? 
He's like, I was there for you. And then calmer, he's like, I know now that I failed you, the same as my father failed me. And he's like, I keep this with me. It's to remind myself where I come from and what I had to do to get there. He like he has something there. He opens a box. There's something in there. He's like, I want to pass it's on to you. So wrapped in a handkerchief or something like that is a hammer. So if you saw Daredevil, you know which hammer we're talking about. And he's like, my father felt stronger when he beat my mother until I got strong enough to stop him with that. And Maya's like shocked. She's like, that's how your father died? You killed him? So he picks it up. I killed him to be free, to move forward in my life. So enough games. Here, free yourself. Go ahead. Free me. And she, she holds a hammer. And he's like standing like in anticipation. The, the music starts swelling. And then she just drops a hammer on the table. And he's like, you and I, Maya, we've come full circle. In the morning, come home. So she rides back to her place. The next day, you know, she looks at the lake. Uh, she thinks back to being a, a kid with a kingpin. She thinks about the good times they had, you know, the violence that she took part of. She's thinking about her mom, her dad, Bonnie, uh, Chula. Then she rides and she's leaving Tamaha or Tamaha, whatever. There's a sign like, thanks for visiting, whatever. Fisk gets on his private plane. He gets a call. So they apologize. They said that they tailed her, but she's gone. He takes off like the bandage off. He like growls and he like hits a section like the plane in front of him. And that's where episode four ends. So there's one more episode, which we're going to save for next week. But, you know, as I'm thinking about this, so the show is good. You know, it's it's just decent and all that. And, you know, Kingpin is awesome. But I'm thinking of like, what what kind of is the point of this show? Because we, we've seen her past in Hawkeye. And her, you know, she as far as she knew, she killed Kingpin. So she's just trying to take down his organization, I guess, kind of fighting for her life. Because if she did kill Kingpin, they're all like out to get her. But now that Kingpin's alive, it's like, you know, what what's the whole motivation? Because is she still going to go up against him? I don't know. We'll see. But, you know, I, I am enjoying it. It's just I'm a little confused. Okay, then the first movie feature is a uh, role play so this was a a prime original amazon prime it's a kayla kuko movie and uh also stars uh david Oyelowo and bill nye connie nielsen are in it also as as i mentioned at the beginning i i didn't love this this movie and it, it's it's kind of weird because when when I saw this, so, you know, my wife was going to watch a movie, so I was like, okay, I'll watch it. You know, even though I had, like, I have other stuff to watch, I, I decided I'd give it a shot. And when I when I saw, like, what it was about, and, you know, I wasn't really sure, because, you know, it's like, oh, Kaylee Cuco, so it's, it's going to be a comedy. It wasn't really a comedy. And I, I actually, I don't think it was meant to be a comedy, because it, it wasn't really funny. And I know it's like some people thought that this was like Mr. And Mrs. Smith because that's you know coming out in a couple weeks. It's it's not that, and uh, it it's just it's it's a weird movie. It's also very similar to the Family Plan. Is that what it's called? That Mark Wahlberg movie. And I don't remember if I talked about that on on the podcast or not. That was an Apple original. I really like the Family Plan. 
if that's what it was called. So this is very similar. That the Mark Wahlberg movie was a comedy. It was an action comedy. And it was funny. This movie so basically Kaylee Cuco is like an, an assassin. She's like a hit woman or whatever. And she's married. They have a couple kids. I think one kid is from a previous marriage, from her husband's previous marriage. And so they're like completely oblivious. So she, you know, she comes home. It, uh, she doesn't realize it's like, or she like, she forgot it's like th their anniversary. And, you know, the, the, the husband and, and the kids have this big thing planned. And she's totally like dropped the ball, you know, dropped the ball. She forgot. And, and, and she's like lying to her family. Because she's like, oh, yeah, work was this and blah, 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 blah. And it's like you have this secret life. And the fact that she's a killer and and maybe she's a good killer. You know, she only goes after bad people. But the fact that she's a killer, uh, then, you know, things start heating up. And it's like, wait, I'm supposed to feel sorry for you because you kill people. And now you've endangered your family because... And, you know, the, the part of it, what, what ends up happening is she kind of gets recognized. And, you know, because she's, she's going after all these people, whatever. So, you know, obviously people are, you know, organizations aren't, aren't going to be happy with her. And and eventually, you know, her husband does find out and he gets, like, pulled into it, too. He, you know, he does a good job uh, in the role, you know, David. And, uh, but it just, it was a weird movie because Part of it also is, you know, I, I can appreciate Kayla Cuco doing a non-comedy. And even a flight attendant was, I mean, the flight attendant was, was not pure comedy, but there was some humorous moments, even though it's uh, it was kind of a dark, you know, dark comedy. You know, and, and the flight attendant, you know, she's an alcoholic, basically, and she wakes up next to a dead body and she doesn't know what's going on. I mean, that's pretty bad, pretty low. But here, you know, she's she's trying to take on more of an action role. And I think it, it's fine, you know, the way, you know, they present it and everything, you know, the cutscenes. I don't know how much stunts or whatever stuff she did. She trained or if it was body doubles, whatever, you know. But it, it all, it worked, you know, that, that seemed fine. But it just it was just a, a weird concept of a movie where you know she she gets found out then she's on a run and her husband goes after her and he wants to know what's going on and yeah so it was just I I at the end I'm like I just kind of wasted like two hours watching this I, you know I was I was curious but it's just yeah. I just wasn't super crazy about it. Um, let's see, Rotten Tomatoes. Looks like it's a 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. So if I would have known that, I, I wouldn't have watched it. But, you yeah. know, so I don't, I mean, there's there's not much more else to say. It's, um, it's an interesting concept that we've kind of seen before already. Yeah, I mean, I, again, like I said, you know, I, I applaud Kayla Kuka for doing something different. But it just it I don't want to like fault her. I don't know if it's a script or maybe it was her I combination of everything, but it just it just fell a little flat. So it was it was kind of a bummer. And so that's why I was hesitant 
hesitant to, after I watched it. I was like, well, maybe I'm not going to talk about it on the podcast because I don't want to, you know, you know me, I don't want to just sit and be negative Nancy and complain about stuff. But at the same time, you know, I, I want to be credible and you know, it's not like I love everything. I tend to talk about things that I enjoy because it's, it's not fun to talk about something that I didn't enjoy. But I just want to put that out there. So it's it's an okay watch. You know, there's I guess there's some okay parts, some decent parts, but I just for me it, it wasn't it wasn't my my jam. I I didn't love it. But maybe you will. So if you've seen it, let me know what you think cuz it was, it was I was let down. Maybe I had high expectations, I don't know, but it, I feel like it could have been better. So that's just my thoughts. Okay, and now the movie feature. It, I don't. I don't think this is the best name for a movie. It's ISS. For me, part when I when I I, I kind of I, I think ISIS, and it's like, do we we do want to watch a movie about ISIS? Whatever. So ISS, which is uh, International Space Station. I was thinking like that would be a better. It just seems like just such a. It's like a generic title. It's. I mean, I guess it tells you what it's what it. It's the International Space Station. Okay. It's it's weird. I hadn't even heard of this movie. It's just, you know, a couple weeks ago, I was looking at, at the schedule. I'm like, you know, what am I, what's going to be the main feature? What am I going to watch? I'm like, there's nothing coming out. Because I was like, I haven't heard any of these. And then I was like, ISS, what the heck is that? And then I look at it and I was like, you know, I watch, I saw Chris Messina is in there. So Chris Messina, he was in the Mindy Project. Um, he's probably in something else too. He's, I mean, he's been in a bunch of little things or not really little thing. He's been in other movies. So he was Victor Zaz and Harley Quinn birds of prey. So, you know, he, he's done a lot of stuff. He's a really good actor. And, uh, you know, we, we have, um, Ariana de, de Bois, I, I think, you know, she's, she's won awards and, and stuff like that. And then, uh, there, there's some, some other guys, uh, John Gallagher, Gallagher Jr., um, he looks familiar. I don't know if what I know him from. It's a, it's it's really the movie is just about six people. So what is this movie about? It's inter- international space station. So when you see the trailer, you see so our 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 main character, Doctor Kira Foster, she and this other they arrive at the space station, and you know so there's Russians and Americans there, and there's like so now there's like three of each three russian you know there's two two dudes and a lady and then uh there's three americans which is also two dudes and a lady so they go there and you know we see them getting along you know join forces and if you saw the trailer you know they're listening uh, winds of change from scorpions come up and you know it's like that song is so cheesy i love it but then so this is a whole whole point of the movie as they're there, you know, so Kira, you know, she's looking you know, at one point, they're looking at the earth, you know, passing over and they're like, it's so beautiful. And, and this one guy's like, you're like one of the five, only like 500 people have seen this view from up here. So, you know, enjoy it. You know, you're lucky or whatever. And then she's like, there's like a flash something. It's like, Hey guys. Cause you know, they're all back. Cause you know, this is new for her. They've seen this. She's like, I, I think I just saw a volcano, but then there's like another one. And then they all start coming. Friggin' nuclear war. So they like shut the shut the panels. I don't know radiation or lights or whatever. So then um, they're kind of freaking out. They're like, "What? What? What's going on?" So they're trying to get information, stuff like that. Chris Messina's character, 
he gets like a message saying that they've basically gone to war against the Russians, which is, it's kind of weird because it's supposed to take place like present day. So something happened, nuclear war, and they're like, it's vital, you know, that the space station is vital for whatever. So you need to take control of it. And it's like, by any means necessary. So they're kind of like freaking out, you know, they're, they're, cause you know, it's, it's such small quarters and then, you know, they're trying to whisper, trying to be careful, you know, whatever. And then, then they're like, you know, wait, if, if we got these orders before, cause then the radios cut out, the right, ra- the radios go dead. And, and, you know, this happened before, like the internet is always cutting out and just like whatever stuff, you know, it's reception and, and that, but they're like, you know, if, if we got this, these orders, they probably got the same orders as well. So that's where things kind of get really tense. Super small quarters. I mean, not super small, but I mean, there's not a lot of places to go. It's just like, can they really trust each other? Because they, they, you know, you see this camaraderie, you know, just celebrating and everything like that, but you never really know. And then uh, just to, to push things forward, so you're like, well, what, what does this, what does this mean, or whatever? One of the, the Russian dudes like, like, oh, the antennas out. So it needs to be fixed. So one of the Americans has to go out there. And at one point, he can't reach this one part. So he has to untether himself. And then as he's out there, like the mechanical arm is like moving. He's like, I don't need the arm. I don't need the arm. Oh, and then this, uh, uh, so inside, they like cut the the communications. So he's like talking to, I think he was talking to Kira. Then the radio cuts that, and he doesn't realize that. So she's like, I'll ask, I can't see him, you know, what's going on or anything, and things kind of don't go too well. But then it's just like, it just gets gets worse, because, you know, they're like, wait, what's going on? Who can, and, and it's just, it, it kind of gets dark and everything. It's, it's already dreary enough, the idea, because then when you see the earth, you know, there's just like, it's just like in flames, you know, just like all this, you know, radiation or whatever, and it's just blasts, and, and so there's a reason for this, the, why the, the space station is so important, and stuff like that, it just go, kind of goes from there, it's like, it's like, what are you going to do, and everything, and who can you trust, and moving toward, going against each, it's, yeah, as, as far as the movie, before I, I, I get into, well, I guess I'll say, so, you know, I did enjoy the movie, uh, there, there are like a couple twists. There's a couple like, like, whoa, you know, like, and sometimes a couple things happen that you don't quite expect that. But then it is also a little formulaic at times, and it feels like you know it was kind of going at a good pace, and you know, and then the end, the end is is fine, but it's just like, wait, okay, all right. The weird thing about this movie is, so apparently in December uh, 2020. The screenplay was included on the, the blacklist of most um, liked unproduced screenplays. So this is in 2020. And then in 2021, it was announced that there the film was, was greenlit. And then um, it premiered at the Tribeca Festival on June 12, 2023. So it, it premiered last June. Didn't get released till now. That's not really a good thing. And, you know, maybe part of with the writer strike and, you know, all that stuff, it kind of threw things off. But it so it kind of feels like maybe it didn't, um, once it was made, they weren't, weren't too too sure about that. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's, uh, I think it's, it's like a 66. Now, 
that could change, obviously, you know, from when I record this to by the time you look at it when, when this goes live. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was, it was, it was, it was good. It was fine. Is you know, I, I enjoyed it. They did a great job. I mean, the, the cast is, is good. You know, they, they do a good job in their roles and everything like that. And you just really feel the tension and, and everything. But I, I think part of the movie is just like, this is kind of a, kind of a downer. And, 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 you know, as, as I'm leaving the theater, I'm just like, oh man, wow. Huh. It's, it's weird. And, and not all movies should be Hollywood, you know, endings. You know, not everything's going to be a happy ending, you know, but it's just kind of like, wow, what did I just watch? And the other thing, I think the movie is like an hour and 35 minutes, super short. It's good pacing and all that. You know, it, I was a little worried because when you think, because to me, I've, I know I've said this before a while back, whatever, but to me, it seems like 90 minutes, that's like like a sitcom or like, that's like a comedy movie. You know, simple, straightforward comedy, 90 minutes. These days, it seems like your your average movie is like, it's got to at least be an, a minimum hour and 45 minutes. Two hours is like, it seems like that that's good the two the two to three hour is where it's like epic you know there's like there's a good chunk of movie whatever stuff so it's like an hour and a half like wow and to me less than 90 minutes uh uh-oh you know that that's not that's not good but it was good pacing at one at one point i I was like so are they gonna are we gonna see the explosions right away it's like but it wasn't there yet because i I thought they were just gonna jump to it but they kind of established things a little bit first you know it's not too much doesn't drag on too much so i feel like it was good pacing and it just moved at the right pace you know whatever obviously pacing pace so i i think it was fine but yeah it's just just not uh, i don't know there's like I, I, I can't put my finger, like, if I were to recommend, how could I make this, if I had the power to go back in time or whatever, what could I do, what would make me happier with this movie? What could I do to make it better? Not, not saying that it was, was bad. And I really don't know how I would change things. Because if you were to try to make the, 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 the ending go this way or this way, because it could very easily just become too cheesy or too Hollywood or whatever. So it's fine. But it's also just, it's like, there's a definite conclusion, but the whole problem isn't solved. Like, we don't really get any specific, we, we don't see, we don't hear from really anyone else on Earth. You know, we don't really know what's going on. We don't know how things really fully escalated because it didn't seem like they were up there that long. And then all of a sudden, like, whoa, where's, where did this war come from? And, you know, it's, it's like, if this war, how is there going to be any survival? Which maybe that's something that's addressed. But it's like, it, to me, it's like, there's nuclear war going on. All these places getting bombed. Yeah, people are in their bomb shelters, hopefully. But so many people are not. So many people are going to die. And all the radiation that's going to be there for years it's like how how do you come back from this? It's like no, it's done, but it's not. I don't know. I feel like I'm just kind of rambling now. It it was it was good, but it's just yeah. I, and I'm still kind of feeling it. I'm just like oh man. Uh. And and I don't mean that like it was a bad way, but it's just such a sinking feeling. Oh man. And I mean, I mean maybe because you know if if you grew up in the '80s, you know the the day after whatever, it's just. The thought of nuclear war, I mean, that was like haunting stuff back when, when you know, when I was a kid. And, uh, yeah. And then just a confine, confined quarters of space, you know, if you got, yeah. So it's definitely worth watching. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, and it's good because it's not like, you know, your, your big 
Hollywood, glossy, you know, whatever, big production. So I, I felt it was good. But I, like I said, I think I'm just rambling. There's, there's not much else to say besides like spoiling stuff. And I don't want to do that. So it's not like the greatest movie of all time, but it was entertaining. It, it was, it was, it was, it was good. And, um, yeah, I, so I, I recommend it with, with caution, you know, as long as you're, you know, have an open mind and, you know, just don't expect, you know, instant classic or anything like that, but it, it was good. It, I, how memorable will it be? Like, you know, a week later, a month later, a year later, I, I don't know, but it, it, it was, I, I'm glad I saw it. And I'm glad you're listening. And I'm glad you're still listening. You've reached this point. Because we have reached the end of the episode. So big shout out. Big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to. <laughs> I'm losing my voice now. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck. I'm really losing my voice, uh, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Uh, last week, I did an off my mind about Miles Morales. And uh, this week, I, I think I, so I mentioned last week, I was probably going to, I think I'm going to do another off my mind because, and I may have mentioned it like two weeks ago. I don't remember if I did or not, but I'm, I'm still not quite sure what comic series I'll, I'll do next. So I don't know. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, uh, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. Uh, so next week, next week is a tricky part. So this is where I'm like, what the heck? There's nothing coming out. I don't think there's anything opening in theaters. Um, how is that possible? Is it writer strike? No, I don't know. I mean, January is always kind of slow, but it feels like there's always something that I can see. Um, I could do the Mean Girls movie, but I don't know if I really want to see that. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I I was I enjoyed the original. I just I don't know if that movie is for me. The other thing is, there's a movie, I believe, coming out on Netflix called Badland Hunters. It's a, I think it's a, a, a Korean, um, yeah, it's, it's a Korean post-apocalyptic uh, movie with Don Lee. Um, I don't know much about this. I just thought it was coming out on Netflix. And, um, I, I yeah, I don't know if there's if anyone's heard of this i don't know if people are excited for this if people know anything about but just so watch the trailer so uh just look up badland hunters it looks like it could be decent so it's it's a netflix movie i might have to do that if there, there's nothing because there's nothing in theaters I, I don't i'm pretty sure um and then uh after along with that <laughs> there'll be the final episode of monarch another episode of percy jackson last episode of uh did i say episode last episode of echo and um, i'm running out of sh tv shows so i don't know if anything's coming up we'll see but maybe that's that's okay for a little bit so thank you for listening thank you for being here i totally appreciate you um i i hope you're enjoying the show i hope you're enjoying life i hope you're doing well 
Hope you're taking care of yourself. Hope you're taking care of others. And I hope you remember, be good to each other. Mm -hmm.